He's talking about us, right? Well, he's talking about me. Oh. Uh-huh. Maybe you. Well, probably. You got to believe it, man. Yeah. Until you actually believe it, you can't count yourself as a legendary man. Mm-hmm. I, well, we got the theme song, so obviously I am. Sack up, Ray. It, would, it wouldn't play if I wasn't, right? It might just be me. He might be saying legendary man returns. No, he said men. You don't know that. Again. Man. Man. He said man. <laughs> Bullshit. So, um, Look, I'm the SNK guy. I know this stuff. All right. I have to it give could you, be men. I have to give you that one. Episode three. Here we are. I'm Ray Price. Once again with me is the Knuckles the Echidna to my Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, wait. Before I was the Captain Picard to your Commander Riker. Right. Now I'm... Um, now you're second fiddle. Now I'm second. But I'm the legendary man. But we switch off. Like last episode, you got to be there. With this kind of behavior, you'll never be legendary. <laughs> Tom Tolios, everyone. See, this is how bad it's gotten. I don't even get to introduce myself. Even though I'm legendary. Mm-hmm. Actually, fuck it. I don't have to introduce myself because they I'm legendary. They should know who you are. They know. Now you're the one with no confidence. You stole my mojo. <laughs> Episode three, which is the um, the second part of episode two, a couple weeks ago, we did an episode where we talked so much we couldn't fit it all in one episode. It would have been like, um, like Lord of the Rings style podcast, a podcast about walking. Well, yeah, for a long time. Yeah. So I had- think the audience would have still enjoyed it, though. I mean, it, if it was like a six-hour podcast, they probably would have listened to it. Yeah, that's true. It is the greatest podcast in the world, no matter how long it is. Yep. No matter how long it is. It could be five minutes and be the best five minutes of your lives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or it could be 24 hours long. and You would think it was five minutes because you enjoyed it so much. <laughs> so uh, is there anything uh, of interest that we need to uh, talk about this week or that we want to talk about this week? Well, there is a new blog It'll be newish by the time this goes live mm-hmm. that I posted uh, today. About Star Wars, right? Yeah, it's about The Force Awakens. I haven't uh, read it yet. You motherfucker. It's too long. But it's the greatest blog ever. I did, like I read the part, but then I didn't click read more. You do understand that it's going to be difficult for us to maintain a partnership <laughs> and a friendship when you continue to treat me like this. <laughs> well, you know. I'll get to it. We'll uh, we'll get this one in a can, and then we'll uh, I'll start reading it. I believe you. As soon as the headsets turn off, I'll read it. Okay. Well, just very briefly, it's my. It's not really a review of the Force Awakens. Um, because no spoilers. Is there spoilers in it? Uh, yeah, there are some spoilers in okay. it, but it's been three months. Yeah. At this point, so well, December to January, January, February. It'll be three months. Okay. Really soon. So if you haven't so. seen it. You need to see it. Yeah, it's Get to the theater. Lim- it's probably st- still in the theater, right? It is. In yeah. fact, uh, it was my going to see it not just this past weekend no. the third for the third time. I wanted to see it one more time in the theater with my wife and just absorb it as a critic because the first time I saw it, I kind of went as an enthusiast. The second time, I went with my mother, so I was just you know being a kid again. And <laughs> right. this third time, I wanted to see it with a critical eye, not sure. judging it as an individual film, but more like 
is it a is, is it a good Star Wars film or not? Is it truly a good Star Wars film? And um, my findings are uh, such that it is a good Star Wars film, but there are three very egregious sins in the movie. Three okay. very three very bad Star Wars sins, in my opinion, that I feel need to be addressed. It's something that not a lot of other people are talking about. I'm not seeing many other people criticizing these aspects of the film. Uh, so I, I basically put those three aspects under a magnifying glass and I take a really good look at them, mm-hmm. why I dislike these three elements of the film and why I still ultimately like the movie, but it's, it's got a few really big fundamental problems when you're talking about the mythology of something as relevant to pop culture as Star Wars. So, um, you know, I still liked it, but Disney still has a little bit of work to do in establishing the identity of these movies and remembering, more importantly, the legacy of the previous films. Okay. Not necessarily copying them, but, like, remembering them because The Force Awakens is kind of an ape of A New Hope. And that's fine with me. I don't care about that. In a lot of ways, yeah. But, yeah, like, it had enough good things about it where I was like, well, that that is, like, kind of the same. But I I forgive it because I walked out of there and it was like, it wasn't one of those things like episode one where you're like, oh, new Star Wars. It was awesome. And then, like, like, a week or two later, you're like, oh, wait a minute. What happened? L- ladies and gentlemen of the Senate, a tragedy has occurred. Wait a minute. This was really boring. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it it feels like Star Wars still. It's got yeah, yeah, the yeah. goods. So, like, you know, if you, uh, some time passed and I was like, no, it's still good. Yeah. You know. So when I saw it the third time, I still enjoyed it. But I also started to think about a few of the things that I didn't enjoy. In yeah. fact, um, there's something I don't like about this movie that I hate more than any mistake in any other Star Wars movie. Mm, okay. But I'll have to. It's not enough to make me dislike the movie as a whole. It's mm. just a really poorly executed. Like, oh, I wish they hadn't or, done that one thing. Right. Yeah. So, well, I go will, check it out. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm going to check it out, and you guys should check it out. And, uh, you know, it's probably a good read, as the blogs have been so far. It hasn't let me down yet. So um, definitely check it out. Yes, I would appreciate it if you did. Mm-hmm. So did you see uh, the uh, Batman Batman v Superman, the new trailer? No, I haven't seen the new trailer yet. My interest in the movie is extremely low. I, my, I well, will end up going to see it because it's pop culture, but... Mine's more of a morbid curiosity. Like, that's why I watched the trailer. Like, it was, that's why I saw Man of Steel, because I had heard all these things about it, and I was like, I just, out of morbid curiosity, I have to, like, it doesn't seem like something I'm, I'll be interested in, but I just have to know. I have to, I have to, I have to make my own opinion out of it and I, I saw it and I was like oh boy. I haven't given up on the Zack Snyder slash Christopher Nolan DC Universe I haven't given up on it yet Yeah. but Man of Steel was a very mixed bag for me yeah um, I mean it had like uh, unfor- the unfortunate thing is like all the cool stuff was just like action stuff like oh that's cool like a cool fight and cool but that doesn't make a movie that makes like that's a cutscene that's a video game cutscene like Zack Snyder would be great at video game cutscenes. Well, it's interesting that you bring that up because that's one of the things I write about in my blog for Star Wars is that, the, for example, let me alliterate it to Batman so or Superman. So the fight scenes are really cool and the special effects are really awesome. And that's all great. But the important stuff, the, the reason why characters like Superman have been relevant in pop culture for 80 plus years is not because of the fights they get in or the powers that they have, but because of their place in the world, their relationships with other people, and the more mythological aspects of the character, being the last Kryptonian, be the only one of his kind. Um, 
Superman Returns is a movie that got a lot of shit, and it probably deserved some of it, mm. but I really like some parts of that movie. I especially love the part where he's in space, hovering, and he has to listen to everybody, and he has, and he has to, to decide, decide who, who to, to save. Yeah. That That's a fucking terrible responsibility. Yeah. Uh, and that's the thing that I think Man of Steel doesn't get. Man of Steel... It has that sort of power savior fantasy. Mm-hmm. You're going to be the great one, and you're going to be the one that everybody's going to follow. You're going to be the perfect person. You're going to show everyone what a real Kryptonian is, not these genetic constructs that we've made that have a single-minded purpose. Yeah, that edge was just like a little weird, but go on. Well, it, it, it deifies Superman. Right, right, right. Whereas I feel that the more interesting aspects of Superman aren't the aspects where he sets the example for other people, but where more like he has to come down from that um that perch on Mount Olympus yeah. for you know for example and he has to be relatable yeah. and he has to be a human he has to make a choice because a god doesn't have to make a choice a god can just do everything right but at some point superman can only do so much so he has to pick who he's going to help which means that there are a lot of other people out there that need help that he's not able to help yeah and I really like that aspect of Superman Returns. And a lot of that stuff is missing from Man of Steel. Sure, he loves his mom. You know, yeah. they, the, the Kents raised him well. And I, I don't understand how he would be heroic given the way Jonathan Kent raised him in that movie. Yeah. Like, that's one thing. You know me, Smallville. I Smallville and I do not have a good relationship. But one thing I will say is the way that um, John Schneider played – Jonathan, Jonathan Kent. Kent. Yeah, yeah. Perfect yep. role model that explains why Clark, even growing up as a teenager, would have been instilled with the kind of values that you could believe he would eventually become a mm-hmm. hero. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Kent in the movie, and it's not a knock on Kevin Costner, he's just performing the role that he's been <laughs> I, given. Yeah, ironically, one of the best actors in the movie, if you ask me. Right, like him right. and Russell Crowe were like the two best things about that movie. But he tells he tells Clark to hide. Mm-hmm. Don't use your powers. Don't do anything for good. Yeah, yeah. Avoid conflict. And Jonathan, in a certain the, sense, uh, the tells Elsa, it, the Elsa angle, right? Um, Jonathan in the TV show kind of tells him the same thing, but he also teaches him how to be responsible about his powers. And once the powers start emerging, he stops hiding from it. He stops trying to get Clark to ignore it, and instead he starts. To let's teach learn him how, how to be, use them yeah, the right exactly. way, and let's, exactly. not, let's be responsible. And, and let's, you know, it's like. When you watch Man of Steel, the only thing that Clark does in that movie, the only way that Clark could learn anything from Jonathan is by his noble sacrifice of dying. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, Clark has the power to just stop it all from happening. Yeah. Right now, he could save all those lives. So Man of Steel missed the mark for me in a couple of ways. And I'm sure we're going to talk more about that in the future. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, but yeah. um, I haven't given up hope on the DC Cinematic Universe yet. I, well, I, I still think some that- things can be done that can salvage it. Here's the interesting thing about the trailer. Having watched it, I can tell you this, that all of the stuff I saw that had nothing to do with Man of Steel looked really good. So anything that doesn't involve uh, Clark Kent or Lois Lane or Perry White, as long as they're not on the screen in that trailer, those parts are cool. As soon as you get to one of those characters, I'm like instantly like, I don't care. I don't care about those characters. That's where that movie failed for me. It failed in like, I didn't care about anybody. I wasn't like, the characters were not compelling to me. Well, Man of Steel spends most of its time acting as though Superman is separate 
from separate from us. Mm-hmm. It wants us to believe in him and follow his example, but it spends so much time separating him from the rest of us. Mm-hmm. Even though it tries to show he's having human reactions like killing people and wanting to protect his mom and stuff like that. But the whole movie is just like Jor-El telling him, you're better. You're going to be the example. You're going to be the one everyone says. Now, if Batman versus Superman leads more into that and Clark has sort of bought into that dogma, hmm. I guess it's not really dogma. He's not really being, Jor-El's not being dogmatic about it. But if Clark buys into that, if Cal- if he's more Kal El than Clark Kent, then I could see the the Batman as the ultimate human taking on Superman as the ultimate Kryptonian. There's an interesting story there, right. but this for me, for everything in Man of Steel to work, this movie has to kind of end with Clark realizing he's sort of being a dick, right? And he has to come down and. Be like us yes. and join thank us you. and become one of us. Yes, thank you. That that was a big problem I had. Like this version of Superman is not. I, I just I'm not into him. I don't care. You know, he just like he knows he like Superman always like knew he was better like in the back of his mind, but didn't really like he was always like very relatable and very. This version of Superman he had humility. Was, yeah, this version of Superman was just like you know bre- like standing up and breaking the handcuffs and letting them know, you know, you can't do anything to stop me. I don't like that angle on Superman. That was like the big issue I had with it. And and none of the characters are compelling. Like when Perry White's about to die by that big smashing thing, like I don't care. Like the movie expects you to care, because, but it's Perry White. Yes, but you've done nothing to build him up as a right. character and make me care that he's about to die. It, I don't care that it's Perry White. What if I don't read the comic book and I don't know who the fuck Perry White is? It's the classic storytelling mistake of telling and not showing. Yeah. Um, any good writer will tell you that if you want people to care about what you're doing, you have to show and not tell. And what that essentially means is you have to avoid scenes where characters talk about things and that's why they matter and they have to show you why they matter. Yeah. It's why the relationship between Padme and Anakin fails. Because even though they have like a really bad attempt at romance in those movies, which is – I don't really fault the actors for that. Natalie Portman, we know she can act, mm. for example. Um, what I fault is the by-the-numbers – necessity of the relationship Mm. by the same token perry white and the daily planet and all those characters feel as though their inclusion is a necessity well it's a superman movie so you have to have perry white in the movie and it doesn't mean anything if you don't establish a relationship with the with the characters that would make clark care about them there's no reason for clark to care about perry any more than he cares about any other person on the planet that no he didn't care about him he flew well, off and let him die but that's my <laughs> while right he did that other thing well he went to go punch a laser on the other side yeah, of the planet yeah, yeah. but but that's my point is that you want me to care about characters like perry white you have to show me why they matter because yeah. he's a because he's a uh, an editor-in-chief of a newspaper or whatever they're fucking it's not enough lots of those people yeah you know so I don't even care about Clark's mom in that movie. Right. You know, she's yeah. just, oh, why should I care about her? Well, because she's Superman's mom. Mm. So what? Yeah. They just, they didn't do enough to make you care about the characters. And like, that's super, super important to me. This know? all is a conversation for another podcast, I'm sure. Yeah. That we have coming up. Yeah. But you were talking, this is all important to give me context for the Batman v Superman yeah, well, stuff that you're seeing. So when you're saying nothing that relates to Superman, are you talking about like all the Batman so anytime, stuff and all the world building stuff? Yeah, anytime, they, you know, anytime it's Batman and Alfred and the Batmobile and all that stuff, like there's, a, there's this fantastic scene of, you know, there's like a bunch of dudes in a warehouse doing something bad and, you know, Batman goes in like a floor under them 
and then like busts up through the floor and just like starts beating all their asses and it's just like it's so batman it's like probably the most comic book accurate batman you ever seen on screen but then in the scenes when he's bruce wayne he's like equally as compelling like just affleck you know he's an actor he's been doing it for a while mm-hmm. he's he's good man and he's he's just seems like he's nailing the role like i could be it's a trailer i could be way off base and maybe the whole thing will suck but from what i saw in the trailer i was like up to this point i had seen like they had been really superman centric in the trailers like the earlier trailers and then in the second trailer i think is when they they unveiled um jesse eisenberg as lex luthor mm-hmm. and i absolutely hated that take on him i was like this is just i i don't buy into this that he's this megalomaniacal supervillain right he's like a little weasel and like you know some people might call that like a bold take i call it just like lame i don't know i, I just I, I wasn't into it well uh, at what point i'm not gonna knock on jesse eisenberg i think he's a really really good actor i just don't like that take on lex luthor i, I just you know well at what point do you decide that you shouldn't even name the character Lex Luthor. Like, yeah. Why make a character call him Lex Luthor if he's not going to be Lex Luthor? Mm-hmm. Why don't you just call him? Why don't you just call him? Give him another name. Give him a name like you know, uh, Bob Johansson. There you go. You know, if he's going to be a guy that isn't even Lex Luthor, <laughs> right. why call him Lex Luthor? And that—that's kind of the thing that really upsets me about a lot of the recasting that they do and a lot of the. Um, new takes on old characters we like the old characters yeah but as far but as we're the, you know we're old and the movie's probably out of our demographic so you know, well this is a superman for a younger generation the more the cooler the more badass superman i guess that murders people well he murdered zod but again i've talked to you about this before if that leads to him becoming the character that we right. know, that's the redemption that's, that's the, the redemption. redemption for the whole franchise in my opinion i think that if they if they do that it'll be like okay they destroyed, you know, most of Metropolis in this like way over the top, way too long, boring battle. By the end, it just got like Anakin and Obi Wan in the lava. It's just like yeah. this is like forty five minutes. Yeah, you know, it's like at what point? Like, is it going to be over? Like, you know, it's the same thing with Superman's odd. It was like, man, this is a really long fight. But you know, one of the first things they establish in Batman v Superman is part of you know, like one of the Wayne Tech buildings got destroyed so like bruce wayne's like super pissed off about that so right. he's like i'm gonna take this guy down because you know he he's got he's too big and he's too irresponsible he's like if there's a, like a one percent chance that he's our enemy we have to you yeah. know we have to act which is interesting that. because it makes and alfred's batman, like yeah and alfred's like telling him you know he's not your enemy you know but it, it's interesting because it makes batman almost seem too obsessive like they've already built some flaws into the character that he also needs to overcome yeah. so you can kind of see it coming from a mile away Batman's too obsessive. Superman is too caught up in his own uh, godlike status. And Wonder Woman will probably be the one to come in and say, look, I've lived amongst both of you. I am a goddess, just like Superman is a godlike figure, but I don't try to lead other people. I just protect other people. And I also feel a sense of responsibility to the world, but I don't let it drive me to the point where if there's a 1% chance of it being a problem, I have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Like, she's going to be the one that helps them have their come-to-Jesus meeting. They're going to have their come-to-Diana moment, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. essentially. Yeah. And then the three of them will 
presumably team up to fight Doomsday, who I'm guessing, and this is not a spoiler because I don't right. know. Yeah, we don't I'm know. I'm guessing it's a reanimated corpse of Zod. Yeah, I'm hearing like little things. Yeah. Maybe. Well, it's yeah, just, yeah, yeah. All I'm basing it on is the fact that they show his body in a body bag and right, then later right, right. the Doomsday shows up. So I'm guessing that... So you saw the second. I think that was the second trailer. Well, saw I saw one. the one where... Um, With Lex Luthor. Well, yeah. And he well, had the body bag and like well, Lex right. Luthor had I him. saw that one. I saw the one after that, you which didn't was see the... Wonder Woman's first appearance. Okay, so you haven't seen the latest. No, the I haven't Batman seen the latest one. one. So that's the, see, that trailer like kind of restored my faith. Up to that point, I'd been like, I don't really care about this because I didn't care about Man of Steel. When I saw this trailer, and it was like a lot of it was Batman, I was like, this, is, this might actually do something. And if all the things we just talked about come to pass, it might sort of redeem okay. you know, what happened before. So this but, new... Uh, yeah, I, I would say you should check it out be- just because all the, the Batman stuff is just really awesome. I was like, you know, as much as, you know, the disdain I had for Man of Steel, I watched that trailer and couldn't help but get over, like, a lot of it. Cool. And I was like, don't be tricked. Don't be stupid. Don't, you know, but you can't. You, when you see Batman kicking that much ass. Mm-hmm. It'll be nice that the movie will have some Batman character stuff, but it's not solely a Batman but it's movie, not. But, but like I said before, action's not enough for me. You know, the battles, who cares? The characters need to be good. And the stuff they showed with Bruce Wayne was Affleck was just he was Affleck. God, do you remember how angry he was the bomb in Phantoms? Yeah. <laughs> or so we learned in uh Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. Right. Um, do you remember how angry people were about him being cast too? People you know, were pissed. I didn't was, fucking care. Uh, I was dude. Here's the thing. I'm not the even people... a fan. I'm not even a Ben Affleck fan, but I'm not a hater either. It's like, okay, Ben Affleck's playing Batman. It's so what? It doesn't I matter. I mean, Michael, when Michael, Michael Keaton was Keaton. cast as yep. him, nobody thought he could pull it off, and he did. And if all, there had been an internet, it would have flipped out back then, too. Yep. But, you know, it's... Oh, everybody that I knew, because I was buying comics back then. I was going to comic stores back then. Yeah. Everybody that I knew was angry about it. They're like, Beetlejuice? And I'm like, <laughs> we haven't seen the movie yet. I don't know. I'm not, you come know... for your daughter, Chuck. <laughs> Yeah, but as Batman, I don't know. But I mean, it worked. Pulled it off, man. Yeah, so... And Nicholson as the Joker, you're just like, well, weird, but and yeah, you it figure, worked, man. You figure this series, after so many unusual casting choices, it should have earned the benefit of the doubt from the fans now. I remember Heath Ledger hot off of Brokeback Mountain, which is the gay cowboy movie. And yeah. I have nothing against that. It's a very good movie, actually. Yeah. But hot off the gay cowboy movie, everyone was like, oh, he's really good at playing these sensitive roles. And he's really good at playing these like thoughtful characters. And now we're going to cast him as the Joker. That's never going to work. And no matter what you think, no matter what you think about that performance, there's one undeniable fact that Heath Ledger's performance as the Joker in The Dark Knight is probably the single most memorable, noteworthy, and culturally impacting performance of any actor in any of the Batman movies. <laughs> it is... He was good, man. Heath Ledger... Well, I'm not even talking about just in, from it being a standpoint of being good. What I mean is that that performance is by and large, far and away, the most dynamic performance that any actor has given for any role in a single Batman movie. Mm-hmm. It's, it stands out more than any of the others because of the way that he played it. And nobody thought he was going to be able to do that. Right. People were like, ah, he, he can't do it. He's the gay cowboy. <laughs> He's the teenage love interest in, you know, chick flicks or whatever. You know, but he's the Joker too. Yeah. I mean, he just proved it. So yeah. people need to calm down on the casting choices. Yeah. Just I mean, who'd let have thought, it play out. Who would have thought Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor? And I could be completely wrong. 
I've only seen him deliver two lines on a trailer. Well, you're not complaining about Eisenberg. You're complaining about the portrayal of the character. Yeah. If Eisenberg was to play it straight, like regular old Lex Luthor, you might actually not have as much apprehension about what's going on. So it really has nothing to do with Eisenberg. Yeah, but still, I mean, the actor makes the role. So, Well, no, that's not necessarily true the actor has to portray a character and depending upon who the actor is that will determine what kind of stamp they can put on that character Mm -hmm. eisenberg might not have any say in the portrayal of the character he might just be one of those guys that's like you know what this is a big thing that's happening i want to be a part of it i'm gonna take it yeah you know like samuel jackson wanting to be in star wars and wanting to be in the marvel movies you know this is a franchise i want to be a part of the purple lightsaber i want purple lightsaber and he got it yeah because he's samuel jackson well, I, if I was Samuel L. Jackson, I would have asked George Lucas, rather than a purple lightsaber, it's like, look, I'll take a green or blue motherfucking lightsaber. Give me a character that people will care about. Yeah. But instead... But instead, purple lightsaber. Yeah. That Denny. says bad motherfucker on it. Right. Good job, Denny. Thanks, Denny. On the scene. Yeah. We had a talk with him. Yeah. He missed a lot in the last yeah. episode, so... He's cleaned up his act a little right. bit. But he hasn't cleaned up his ass or his body. No. He, has, he still stinks. He's still well. He's sober now, at least. Oh. Did I just hear a bottle clinking in your <laughs> box, Denny? No, he's good. I mean, I'm not going to come in there and kick the shit out of you because I don't want to touch you. No, but... he, yeah, boy. Okay, Denny. Anything else you want to talk about? No, just just like. Go ahead. Okay. Well, the only other thing I'll say is uh, I'm playing uh, a 3DS game right now called Project Cross Zone, which okay. is like a strategic RPG crossing over characters from Capcom, uh, Namco, and Sega. On 3DS? Yeah, on 3DS. I've never heard of this. uh, Project Cross Zone came out a few years ago, and they just released the second one now. Oh, jeez. Wow. um, It's pretty interesting seeing the characters from these different worlds communicate with each other. They added Strider and uh, Hatsuma from Shinobi. What type of game? It's a strategy RPG. Strategy strategy RPG. It's strategy turn-based, so... Oh. uh, It's a little fun. The characters all talk way too much, so, like... (laughs) It's cool if they're characters you like, like when Ryu starts talking to people. That's fascinating because you like Ryu or when Chris Redfield starts talking to people. When they're characters that you like, but when there's characters that you don't recognize or don't know, you don't really get the, the fan service context of their dialogue. So it, it, it's just not as interesting. Right, right. One of the cool things is all of the uh, arranged versions of the theme songs that they play. Oh, cool. Uh, I recognized the Revelations music when Chris and Jill were in there, and I recognized um, – Strider's music when Hiryu is talking to uh, Hatsuma from Shinobi. Nice. It's really good version, <laughs> too. I was amazed um, when they uh, showed the characters from um, Tales of Vesperia, which is a Namco RPG, hmm. uh, and they show up, and you hear the theme song that plays during the open cutscene. There's an opening anime cutscene for the game, and you hear like an arrangement of the theme song. And it's uh, a J-pop song. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is pretty cool. Like I'm it. not a big fan of Tales of Vesperia. I'm not saying it's shitty. It's just that I don't really have a lot yeah, of experience it much, with it. Right, right. right. Yeah. But I do know the theme song because I, they played it at the end of the anime movie for mm-hmm. it, which is a prequel to the game. So I ended up getting a copy of the theme song and i've listened to it a lot because i really like it so when i heard it in the game i recognized it immediately so it was pretty neat you got a soundtrack is there a a soundtrack for vesperia do you have or or of uh no the cross no i don't have a soundtrack for project cross on two i'm gonna have to drive to japan soon and pick it up boy okay i think we uh, i think we have the first one though okay i think Hmm. but strider wasn't in it so no strider music 
Well, yeah, but it had other arrangements. Oh, it had other arrangements yeah, in there should, as well. Yeah, I'd like to listen to that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Cool. And we'll, yeah, we'll drive to Japan and get the, the second one. Yep. But uh, speaking of video games, um, have you ever played uh, Street Fighter? No. What is this thing you call Street Fighter? It's um, apparently it was big in the like nineties. Did like that boobs in it? No. You probably wouldn't like it. Mm. It doesn't have boobs in it. Well, it does, but like they weren't like now, where they're like the physics and stuff. Man, that sounds kind of shitty to me. I'll take a pass. Yeah, I used to play it. I thought it was cool. Moving on. Well, if you thought it was cool, then it was cool. Well, yeah. Whatever we like is cool. Is cool, yeah. Even if I don't like it because you like it, it's cool. I got exposed to it. What year did... Uh, well, I'd never played... Not Street Fighter 1. I played Street Fighter Street Fighter... One. Really? In the arcade? I, pl- I played the original one. No, I did not play with the uh, pressure-sensitive buttons. There were two the different time, versions, weren't yeah, there? There was one that had like pressure-sensitive buttons where based on how hard you hit the button that determined whether it was a short, medium, or fierce attack mm-hmm. but they were breaking so often that capcom ended up coming out with uh the six button control system that's that, a true story that's a true story i didn't know that. that's legit i mean i knew, uh, there, was I, t- I knew there were two different versions i didn't know I, the history. I have a i have a book at home it's like the history of street fighter it's a really good book i'll lend it to you sometime that's and, surprising because you barely heard of the game and you don't really mm-hmm. like it well you know i like history though okay makes sense so i looked at the cover and i said there's no boobs in this but I'll read it for shits uh, you know, and I know. giggles, right? Ray might like this, and he may bring it up someday, and I need to be informed. Okay. So that's really the only reason. I'm glad you thought of me. That was nice of you to do. Well, that's that's what people do when they care. Yeah. But I won't think of the audience at all because <laughs> I don't care about any of you. <laughs> or your kids. Or your fucking kids. Hate your kids. <laughs> your kids the worst most of all. For them, so- <laughs> for them no forgiveness. Well, here, Okay. Here is the uh, so you played in you went to the arcade and played Street Fighter the one, original Street the original Fighter. Street Fighter yeah Not, it wasn't called one no it was just Street Fighter <laughs> because when all you could play was Ryu or Ken and Ryu had his little red slippers and his red hair and his red hair and you could only play Ken if you were player if two somebody, if you were player two and yeah. somebody else was already player one actually I don't know maybe you could select the player two side and just you could be Ken I don't know about eh, that that could be. I don't, I don't know about that, but yeah. We'll go to Galloping Ghost and try it sometime. If you don't know, Galloping Ghost, biggest arcade in the U.S., and we're fortunate enough is to it, have it. Is it? That'd be awesome to go there sometime and then talk about our experiences of what the arcades turned into, because I went when it first started, yeah. and I was very happy with the idea of it, yeah. but I really thought it needed a lot of work. But I've heard that in the time since then, they've really oh, yeah. done a great job. Yeah. We should go sometime and then do a podcast on it. We could do like a podcast in the car on the way to it and then on the way back. But, but if you don't know, Galloping Ghost Arcade, biggest arcade in the U.S., we are super fortunate to have it like 30 to 40, like 40 minutes probably. 40 minutes. Uh, what is it? Mount Prospect? I don't really remember. Uh, Brookfield. 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 By near, very near the famous uh, Chicago's Brookfield Zoo. But uh, yeah, about 40 minutes from us. Biggest arcade. And when you walk in that place, it just evokes like such a memory, such a feeling that just that's the sounds, you know, all the yeah. sounds coming out. Because I always remember walking into any arcade, like the two things you would hear is those fucking elephants from Dalsam stage. <laughs> And Colossus on the X-Men game going, you'd always hear that Mm -hmm. in any arcade, that that gigantic six-player X-Men that I don't even know how they got inside of any arcade ever. For me, the things that I always heard were the sounds of the the spider stage on Tron, like the person shooting. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And um, the bass beat of a game by Gottlieb called Reactor. (laughs) 
<laughs> Jeez, I don't know that. That's pretty obscure, but wow. like those were the things that I remember hearing the most. So there, there were there were some signature sounds for me too. But yeah, Galloping Ghost. I we need to go back. Yeah. So anyway, how do we get on the topic? Oh, Street Fighter. Street Fighter. So yeah, so yeah, I but played... I've never played it. Uh, the, the, my very first experience with Street Fighter is uh, working at EGM and hearing Ken Williams say to Martin, "Dude, Martin, um, we're getting a Street Fighter Two machine." And Martin was like, "Whoa!" Like they were going to get a Street Fighter Two cabinet, you know, in in the plan. I was like, "Why is that a big deal?" You know, I didn't know. Like, I I never heard of the game. It was really weird. I just never heard of Street Fighter or Street Fighter Two, and I was like, "All right, whatever." But then it came in, and it, it turned out it wasn't the actual arcade cabinet. It was just a um, the board. The the board. Uh, it was a JAMA from Capcom, and then they also provided um, this thing. I believe it was called like a super gun or something. Oh, God, yeah, yeah, the super gun, so you could actually play the game. Yeah, and then it had like two controllers mm-hmm. attached to it, two six button like arcade style controllers, and then you could play it with that. And everybody in the office, it became like a phenomenon, not only in our office, but then in subsequent, like it made the cover of like how many of issues of the magazine. And there was like every single issue had like a massive, like 10 page at least spread on it. No, it, it, it was a phenomenon. I know that there are a lot of arcade purists that think that Street Fighter 2 killed the arcades, but I argue that it saved the arcades because yeah. arcades were dying at that point. Street Fighter got people back in. Yeah playing for the competitive scene yeah i've heard people say that well okay the reason arcades died is because street fighter 2 came along and nobody could top it is that true you think no i i just i don't i don't agree with that no, i, I kind of feel like for I, me I, I, it was because you just got a better like game like home consoles well the home con- once you could play super mario at home yeah the arcade scene reached the tipping point at that point where it's like you know okay now there's a video game i can play at home that is every bit as good as the arcade version yeah I think the arcade fad was starting to sort of like taper off at that point. And let's face it, no matter how much we like it, no matter how much we want to remember it fondly, the arcade scene was a fad. Yeah. Those video games are a niche. You know, I'm not talking about the Call of Duties and the Dude Bro scene and Madden and all that. I'm talking about the arcade scene of the 80s and 90s, as the late 70s, 80s, late 70s and 80s, I'd say. But yeah. it was starting to die off. Yeah. And Street Fighter brought people back into the arcades. Yeah, sure, it resulted in a boom in the fighting game genre, and that's all anybody that could make. That's all anybody could make that was making any money. But the point is, it extended the life of the arcades for quite a long time, probably until like 1996 or 1997. Arcades survived a bit longer, and it was the first time in our lifetime or that we'd ever seen, as far as being gamers, where DLC. You know what I mean? Before DLC existed, it was like it wasn't paid DLC, but it was like an update. You know, like getting updates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. okay, here's uh, you know, because everybody was like, you know, it'd be awesome if you could play as like both guys could be real. Right. That was uh, that was Champion Edition allowed for two people being able to play a mirror and the bosses. Right? Yes. Yeah. So then they're like, okay, well, what if we like? It was unprecedented. Like yeah. they're coming out with an updated version yeah. of a game. That's so weird. It was like before George Lucas was updating things right. and before all that. It was a way for Capcom to do two things. It was a way for Capcom, number one, to keep the game alive in arcades. Yeah. And number two, it was a way for them to improve upon the game balance. It wasn't just a cash-grabbing venture, although it was that. Yeah. Because the thing is, if you think about it, if you have a product that people are willing to pay for, why not keep it vital? There's no reason not to. Yeah. If, if there's a market out there, all the people that piss and moan about all the different versions of a video game that Capcom releases, people are buying it. There's no reason to complain about Street Fighter II Champion Edition or Hyper Fighting or whatever. 
And there are people out there that are like, it's the same game with a few changes. I mean, it, it eventually did become a joke by the time, you know, Hyper Fighting and then Alpha. This is Street Fighter Zero, the prequel, and then, then Alpha 2, Alpha 3. And well, like, but I would, argue like, that, I would argue that Alpha, Alpha 2, and Alpha 3 are three very different games. Completely separate. Yeah. They're, but if, and they're different. They play differently from each other, but too. But the fact that they weren't Street Fighter 3. That's what made it kind of a joke. I remember that was always like a, a, a joke to people. Oh, you know, Capcom's never come out of it. EGM even had like a joke where they were like, they did like a what if. What if these things happened? Do you remember this? Where they were like, what if Street Fighter 3 came out and yeah. no one cared? And then like sort of happened. Like, well, that did sort of happen because by the time they actually released it, it the fighting scene, arcades were just a niche at that point. Yeah. I remember I had to drive 40 minutes to find an arcade that had Street Fighter 3 New Generation. And when I got there, it was not worth the drive. Yeah. It was not. That first version was a little rough, man. You know, actually, here's the thing I liked a lot about it, but it was a lot of the aesthetic stuff. I liked the backgrounds. I liked some of the music. I liked the graphics. Yeah. But I couldn't get into the gameplay. They had, like, nerfed the characters. They they had taken away some abilities of some of the characters. It didn't feel like the next step. It felt like they were creating something new. And that game could actually be a really great fighting game. But if it's Street Fighter 3, I wanted the next step of what I'd already experienced, and it just felt like a completely separate entity. Go- characters like Guile and Chun-Li were gone. They were later added Chun-Li back in with Third Strike. Yeah. The, you know, Sagat wasn't there anymore. Right. Like, where was M. Bison? All these characters were gone. Yeah. I you mean, know. by Third Strike, it had gotten – it had kind of found its way. Oh, and- yeah. I mean, once Third Strike came out, we were playing that pretty regularly. Yeah. Like, the, the Gaming FM guys, we were all playing at pretty heavy rotation. Mm. So by that point, it had found its identity with us anyway. Yeah. But getting back to like the root, when Street Fighter 2, when, when they got it in, uh, in the office, everybody was playing but me. I didn't get on the bandwagon. And I've always been like that. Isn't that I'm, weird? Because like probably of all the people that were there at that time, you're probably one of a few that still hold it near and dear. Right, right. So it's strange that I was like the last guy. Yeah. But like Mark was playing it. Uh, and Daniel was playing it. Uh, Martin and Ken were playing it. Like er- just everybody in the office were playing it, except me. And uh, Vallis was playing it. And Vallis even got his uh, his signature, his trademark uh, guile sitting on a crate. There's a guy uh, worked at EGM uh, named Mike Vallis who could do a perfect impression of the guy sitting on the crate. If you look at guile stage, there's a guy sitting on a crate with just kind of tapping his foot. And Vallis nails it man and you saw it didn't you yeah i did when we had the we had the tournament mm-hmm. we had the we com- the combined i love that you made him do it too the, the combined gaming fm and egm we got ken we got martin and we got all of all the all the gaming fm guys all got together and had a street fighter tournament yeah at mark's house at mark's uh, over house. by over by over in frankfurt i believe yeah 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 we all played street fighter 2 and at one point we were like valis cuz you guys you know you hadn't seen it so we we're like valis you got to do it man and you hadn't done it in years but still you yep. nailed it, man. I distinctly remember the thing about that night, and this is back in my back in my younger, angrier days. Sure. If you can believe that. No. The thing I distinctly remember about that night, like it seemed like when I played Terry, people just wanted me to lose in Capcom. Oh, we were SNK. playing Capcom SNK because everybody, well, there was a Street Fighter 2, you know, that's where we were all. That was our you were the I was the SNK guy. You were the redheaded stepchild. You were you liked SNK I wouldn't say but well, but maybe at that time better. Once I got into SNK fighters, I always rated them. And I have first. nothing bad to say about SNK. I would not participate in that argument. Like, well, you're right. you have to choose one right now or I'm going to kill you. I'm not. No, they're both awesome. I'm on the fence, man. They're both, they both have their good and bad about them. But I, Street Fighter 2, 
just very near and dear to my heart. Right. You're and not you, going to top it. No, and, and for me, like Street Fighter 2, I'll always recognize what that game is. To me, like if you were to make me pick five games to go into the all-time Hall of Fame, Street Fighter 2 is on that list. Oh, sure. Unfortunately, for the first year of entrance into the Video Game Hall of Fame, the official video game, Street Fighter 2 didn't make it. And yeah. I call fucking... But World of Warcraft did. That's horseshit. That's fucking horseshit. Yeah. World of Warcraft over Street Fighter 2? No. That's, that's fucking bullshit. Yeah. You know, World of Warcraft is an accomplishment in video games. It deserves some sort of it recognition. Deserves, you know, it's not better than maybe, Street Fighter 2. Well, it doesn't deserve to go into the Hall of Fame before Street Fighter 2. Yeah. It does deserve to go into the Hall of Fame at some point, but if you've only got five, you got to bump World of Warcraft for Street Fighter. If you're, you're going, to, if you're going to, well, you know, imagine the amount of hours that you spent playing. I spent a lot of hours playing Street Fighter Two, and it's not even an MMO. When people talk to me about video games, what I explain is that my competitive nature, and you've seen me get upset. I don't, I don't get upset anymore about this, but you've seen me get upset about video games in the past. My, I've seen a few controllers break. They deserved it <laughs> for making me lose. Yes. Uh, but, my buddy John used to say when we played Street Fighter 2, and you'd be like, ah, fucking controller. And John would be like, it is a poor artist who blames his paintbrush. Yeah. Fuck you. Mark used to say the same thing, too. But, <laughs> he um, might have got it from John or vice versa. I would tell people, and I still do, I'm part of the Street Fighter generation, even though I was already 21 years old when the game came out. It don't like, matter. I'm part of the Street Fighter generation. They're like, what does that mean? It's like, okay, well, I was part of that scene that was enthused about the game when it hit the arcades. I was going to arcades. I was competing against other For people. For money. Yeah. Some, sometimes we were. Yeah. You know, You'd walk in and they'd be like, hey, man, you guys play Street Fighter 2? Like, we dabble. The famous Mark story. But <laughs> Oh, but, there's plenty of stories. Oh, yeah, start talking yeah, about the Street yeah. Fighter arcade scene, man. I, I, oh, want, I want him to remain out of jail so we won't tell those stories. Yeah. There were some of those jerks in the arcade who'd come up and be like, you play with honor. This is probably my favorite Street Fighter story ever. <laughs> We're going to do you people a solid by actually telling you this story. Now, Ray's going to tell it because he sort of lived it. Yeah. I was kind of told after the fact. But yeah, please yeah. tell this. This is my favorite Street Fighter story ever. So, and, well, and you tell the story, and then I'll add to you why I think it's so awesome. I didn't know what that meant. I, but, but like, and, and, and the thing is, well, like, having, wor- having, having been at EGM, we were like, we lived fucking street fighter 2 man basically ken williams came to work to play street fighter 2 for like a year mm-hmm. like or a year or two however long the phenomenon lasted like he came in to work at 9 a.m and played street fighter 2 till 7 p.m <laughs> and then went home you know that was like his day and then wrote men like you know made pages in between and took a screen cap and before i tell the story i will say that ken williams got me into street fighter 2 he was like a just a grumpy guy who sat in one corner and didn't want to be bothered but because Street Fighter was becoming such a phenomenon, he would be like inundated with questions. Like people would be coming up and asking him about the history because Capcom was sending him all the historical documents and all the biographies Which of the characters. Which is really cool, by the way. Yeah. And so he had like access to all this stuff that like nobody else in the US would, would have access to. Um, so he knew like the history of all the characters. He knew all the ins and outs of the game. He knew all the storylines. He knew everything. And people would be like, so when. Um, you know, after Ryu beats uh, M. Bison, then, uh, like, dude, get the fuck out of here. Stop asking me questions. So, um, is, is, like, Ken and Ryu's rivalry, is that, dude, I'm working. Get away. So, Ken would, I, I just happened to be seated next to Ken. My seat was my seat was next to Ken's cubicle. And because he knew I wouldn't bother him with the the nuances of the game, hey, man, could you come over here for a minute? And he'd ask me to roll my chair over. I'm trying to get a very specific screen capture. I want guile. I want two guiles doing two flash kicks at the exact same time. And I'm going to take a screen cap of that for, for this issue. I need you to do this move. And I'm like, well, 
I hate to break it to you, Ken, but I think I'm the only guy in this office that like doesn't know how to play this game. He's like, it's cool. I'll teach you how to do the move. So Ken, slowly over time, he would ask me to assist him with these screen caps because he knew I wouldn't bother him. And I slowly learned how to play Street Fighter 2 just by, I'm like, this is kind of fun. That's how I got, got into it. Everybody else was like miles ahead of me already by the time I got into it. you know. So I really couldn't compete in any sort of a tournament you know, aspect of it. But I was learning. I understand the appeal now. Mm-hmm. I get why everybody in here is playing it except me because it's a lot of fun. It's really cool. And as I started to learn, Ken would be like, okay, I'm going to teach you how to do the, the Hadouken. It's, you know, the quarter circle, you know, roll, you gotta, but you got to roll your finger. He was showing me like how to do it. And I was I'm like, okay, I get that. Like that's doing that and making that happen is fun. I dig it, man. It's, it's pretty cool. So that's how, that's how I actually learned. But we were, um, all of us lived Street Fighter 2. So for us to not know what this guy was talking about, do you play honorably? You know, walking into an arcade and playing somebody out in the wild. We're, you know, we only knew our group. Right. You know, we had you, you didn't you didn't know the outside culture of it because you had been playing amongst yourselves and developing your own. Yeah, culture. and this, I mean, this is after the Sheng Long, um, you know, the, the April Fool's trick, and this was after every. I mean, this was you know going down the line a little bit. We were we were uh, playing people in the arcade. You know, long after we were even out of uh, out of Sendai, this guy asked me or Mark, I don't, I don't remember which one, you know, do you guys play with honor? We're like, what the fuck does that mean? What, like, I don't, I, don't know, I don't know what that means. He's like, well, you don't throw, right? I'm like, not throw? Like, all right, like, whatever, you know, okay. You know, I mean, Mark was good at it. Good at, Mark was good enough at it that he was confident he could beat the guy. But he never let that on. Whenever Mark played in the arcade, Mark was always way better than me at Street Fighter 2. But he never, like, gloated. He never let on how good he was at it. He would like anytime anybody asked him, like, "Hey man, you play Street Fighter?" I dabble, you know, mm-hmm. just never like let on, you know. But then that's when he started playing people for money because for playing somebody at the pool table, you know, right. like pool a pool shark, you know, same thing. He starts playing the guy, and he makes it through, and he like he doesn't throw the guy. I I, I couldn't recall. Maybe you do. Who won round one or round two? You know. Well, or, I wasn't there, but I remember that Mark might have actually let the guy win the first round. Yeah, because they get a feel for like how how the guy plays. You right. know, round two. You know, but I know it got to round three. So one person must have won one. One person, but in round three, it ended up where it's one of those moments. And, and if you've played Street Fighter two, you understand these moments where you'll be fighting and jumping all around and doing all this crazy stuff, and you're real low on life. And at the last second, you land. Right next to each other, and you're just within like yep. throwing. You're, you're just looking and you're at frozen. each other. You're, There's you're, that split second where you're like, "Who's gonna somebody do something?" Somebody. Yeah. So Mark just walks in, her throws the guy, wins, <laughs> throws the her. You win. The guy fucking grabs the power outlet for the arcade console, <laughs> unplugs it, storms out of the arcade. <laughs> I fucking love that story, man. And I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why I love that story. Well, first of all, before before I go on to that story, yeah. we sort of cut off the uh, the Capcom SNK thing very briefly. I just want oh, to say – Oh, go on. Yeah. yeah. So for me, it was SNK because I love the style of the characters and I actually prefer the four-button fighting system over the six-button fighting system. I feel that four, I feel that four buttons is all you really need to play a game. But I would never say – 
I won't push you for it because it has six buttons. I will use the six buttons. In you could start a war saying things yeah. like that. No, man. but I really believe that four <laughs> buttons is all you need, personally. It's just my personal belief. Yeah. But I just I love the style of the SNK games a bit more. I love how innovative they are. I yeah. love how they how they pushed the boundaries and they added all these new systems. If you look at a lot of what Street Fighter has today, a lot of it is borrowed quite liberally from what oh, sure. SNK did. Yeah. And, and again, and I love Street Fighter, even though I've never played it. <laughs> but I love it. But the thing is, I was always an SNK guy. So I remember I was playing as Terry. and At the tournament that we had. At the tournament. Okay. My team was like Terry and Kim and probably Guile. Um, And people were having a really hard time with my Terry. And I remember I ended up getting in a fight with Martin. And Martin was giving me a really hard time. But I'd had harder times already that night. But like everyone was watching. Oh, yeah. And as Martin was like starting to mount offense and start to beat me, everyone was like Cheering starting to him. get really excited. Yeah, yeah. And I got pissed off. <laughs> and I decided if I was Terry, I'd have fucking thrown my gloves down right there and just gone to town. And I did. And I remember the way I beat him was I did my jumping fierce, jumping roundhouse kick, yeah. standing fierce, which is the two hit. Yeah. Then I immediately went into uh, Buster Wolf. Oh. Okay. okay. I had him cornered. I immediately went into Buster Wolf. Yeah. His life was almost That's dead. a good combo. And then I chained it into a triple geyser. <laughs> oh, my God. And I killed him. And everyone in the room was like, ah! <laughs> they were all – I couldn't tell if they were ups- – I think it was partly they were upset. And excited, I'm sure. And excited oh, over yeah. what I'd done. Yeah. But that was such a gratifying feeling yeah. because I had a room full of people that wanted me to lose – and, and you I, and you beat Martin Alessi of the EGM review crew. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Which, you know, I mean I think it's me, time for a rematch. Me being me on this podcast and him not means I already beat yeah, him. Yeah, that's true. You know? It's t- yeah. And you beat him too. It's tough honestly. to live up. Yeah. Because now we have this podcast, so we beat everybody. Um but Martin, if you're listening, I think it's time for a rematch. So we should uh, we should get together and have some fun with it. We it's should been make a long that, time. Yeah, we should make that happen. But it, you know, there were other nights I lost. I remember Daniel he got sick with geese one night, and he managed to beat Danny my got terry. real good with geese, I remember Yeah, he that. managed to beat my terry. It was a really tough fight for me, but he managed to beat my terry. I think it was like the one time he ever beat me in a fighting game that I can remember. He might have beaten me other times. This is the one time. And Danyan, as you know, hmm, I beat Musha. <laughs> yes, he did. Which, I guess, you know, we can give him some credit for that, I suppose. On hard mode. So you got the, uh, the anime girl. If you beat Musha on hard, you get the picture of the anime girl laying in the hospital. You don't get that in the easier modes. He's the only one that ever saw it. The only one that ever saw it. So we don't Outside even of Japan, I think, probably. Right. We don't even know if it's true, though. Yeah. Could be shenanigans. Yeah, it could be fucking lies. Yeah. And deceit. There was no video capture back then. In fact, I don't even believe it. Daniel, if you're listening, you need to beat it again and screen cap it this time. We know you know how to do the screen cap, nerd, so do it. Yeah. Okay. Put it on YouTube. Or it, it picks or it didn't happen. But anyway, now... I'm going to tell you why that story about the you fight with honor thing is such a fucking great story. Mm -hmm. And I remember this is something Mark had talked to me about before. And it's something that my brain knew, but I'd never processed it. Mark said to me that when you're playing someone in a a fighting game like Street Fighter, if you do one thing that pisses them off, (laughs) they don't care about winning anymore. Right. They just want to get that hit back. It's all a mind fuck. And it's... Downhill from there, yeah. It's totally true. You throw someone when they're not expecting to be thrown. You corner them and time out them. You do something that they don't like. Yeah. 
And now they just want to settle that score. They want to settle that particular score. Yeah. As uh, Elsa would say, let it go, man. But see, letting it go is the smart thing to do because you can focus on actually winning the match. I love that story because that to me is the essence of the old Street Fighter games. Yeah. It's all about getting in the other person's head and exploiting. And what other game has an element like that? You know, I mean, a lot of fighting games now, but, you know, I mean, just Street Fighter 2 in general. And I think one of the things that made Street Fighter 2 the way it is, is that because it's so cheap, you know, it was before like fighting games were more refined like they are now. Well, yeah, just to give you an idea of the philosophy behind Street Fighter 2 when they were designing it, they asked the, they asked, I don't remember if it's Akira Nishitani, I think the the original director of Street Fighter 2, I think that's him. Don't quote me on that. But I think they asked him. They, I'm sure did, the internet did, will tell you if you're he, wrong. Yeah, yeah. Which I won't be wrong. No. But they'll tell me that they think they're they wrong. Think they, they think, they think you're wrong. wrong. Yeah. But anyway, they asked. They, he did an AMA a long time ago, like a Twitter thing or something, or like maybe a Reddit thing, where they asked him a bunch of questions. And one of the questions was like, "Why did Blanca take so much damage during his cannonball?" Yeah. And there was no logical reason for it. The reason was because they thought it would be cool for him to be doing a move and be vulnerable. Yeah. It totally lacks any sense of mechanical balance, but it's how they thought they'd put the game together in that first Because it was cool. The only reason. Now it's, it's all about, well, if it's out of balance, everybody will freak gotta out. It's got to be fixed. And, you know, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with them balancing the game. In fact, I think game balance is for a fighting game is a good thing. Well, they thing, fixed but... it real quick in Champion Edition and, right. and Hyper, which uh, an interesting thing about Hyper, how do you, you remember how Hyper came about? Hyper fighting, the third incarnation. Mm-hmm of Street Fighter 2 was because we would go to the arcade and we would play Street Fighter 2 Rainbow Edition. Do you remember that? Yeah, which had all the crazy moves like mid-air fireballs and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which and was that's that was a pirated version. Yeah, a pirated game. yeah, a pirated ROM hack mm-hmm. of Street Fighter 2 that made it to arcades and arcades around us. I I know at least two arcades that I knew of around us had it. Mm-hmm. So it was it was around. There were copies of it. There was enough copies of it out there for us to... No, to, I, rem- to, I remember playing it. I remember going crazy with Sagat. So then Capcom... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and like the speed differences. I mean, there was like some... Like Guile Sonic Boom was actually like Sonic Speed. Like it would come out and if you weren't in the air by happenstance, you'd get hit by it. You couldn't dodge it. You know, you had to already be like in the middle of a jump when it came out. Otherwise, you're, you're out, man. And... uh I don't know, Dalsim might have had his teleport already yeah. in it. And it's just like, like hyper fighting borrowed a lot from it. And in fact, that's how it came out because Capcom heard that there was this pirated version, this ROM hack floating around. And they're like, well, we got to do something about that. Why don't we just come out with our own quote ROM hack of it and then put a lot of this stuff in, do all the air moves and what's in there, air moves and teleports and stuff. All right, we'll throw that all. Right. But we'll like, it'll be more balanced and we'll, we'll do our version. Like Zangief, I think could like grab you from halfway across the screen and do the, the pile driver and stuff. It was insanity, man. It was crazy. It's cool. I mean, I I probably have it on MAME now that we could play it. It's just, it's a really crazy version. I'm sure I have it laying around somewhere, but back then to see it in the arcade is like, wow, man, check what the, what? This is nuts, man. But then the and then hyper fighting came along, which in my opinion is the best version. I hyper fighting is my favorite incarnation of Street Fighter. That's the one we played the most and had the most fun with, spent the most hours on. With just all those cheap fucking moves, man. How much fun was that? Yeah. It was you know, a good time. Spending how many hours would I spend trying to beat Mark at that game? You know, he was always just like just you know miles above my level of skill on that game but because they were there longer than i was and they were going to the ces shows with egm mark 
would relieve Ken. Like Ken would be playing, and every time Ken lost, they would have to give away a T-shirt. So like Ken would play person after person after person, leaving, waiting in line to not get a T-shirt because they got destroyed by Ken. And Ken would be like, hey, "I gotta take a piss," and then Mark would jump in and like play like person after person. So they had, you know, they they were just miles above me. Yeah, and- I would say that. I would say that in terms of Street Fighter Two. Just in terms of people that I actually physically played against, Mark is probably the best one I ever faced. And you told me that Ken used to routinely own Mark. Like they say in Dragon Ball all the time, he's on a whole different level. Right. <laughs> but in terms of the later fighting games, I thought that we held our we, we, we all held our own once, pretty well. Yeah, once we got like done with especially with four yeah. and three, we held we held our own. We, we were all pretty even on, on the alphas and three and four. We were all pretty pretty even. Once we got off of Street Fighter Two, then you and I, I think, were able to shine more. Once we got to like Capcom S N K two. We were pretty much unquestionably the best at Capcom SNK2. And then we played Puzzle Fighter. <laughs> we did, didn't we? Yeah. A game to this day I still don't get. Oh, it's just fun. Yeah. It's silly. That's Yeah, why. in fact, I want to say I want to say that I won the Capcom SNK2 thing that night. I yeah, well, of course th- you did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh I want to say it was um Street Fighter 2. Mark won that. I'm pretty Mark or Ken, one of those two. And won. then um, it was. I know Capcom SNK two was in there, but I think there was something before that. I don't remember what it was. Oh, I think we did the anniversary edition because we played just Street Fighter two Turbo. That's right. And then we, and played then we did the anniversary edition right. that had all five version mi- mixed together. Where you could pick which version of the. Then we did Capcom SNK. I think. Yeah, Capcom Cap- SNK two. Yeah. Then we did. Puzzle, Puzzle Fighter, Fighter to yeah. kind of... Which was the fun cooldown thing. Yeah, the cooldown and let's, you know... Yeah, but I think what we did is we looked at who won each individual one, then we looked, we tallied up all the points for who won overall. Yeah, Mark brought up the whiteboard and we yeah. had that whole... Yeah, <laughs> we had fun. the tell, man. It was great, man. It was a good time. Yeah. Yeah. But um, maybe we'll do it with the listeners if we're lucky enough to let them, uh, to grace them with our presence. No. Nah, you're right. Us and Denny. Are the only ones allowed in here. And Denny's not even allowed in here. That's true. He's not. Yeah, he can't come in here. Yeah. He's in that room where he may or may not be alive. We don't know. Raccoons may be feasting on his eyeballs. Yeah. Which are fine because he can't see anyway. <laughs> Doesn't even make sense. Well, I just mean that like he's in a shitty shack with holes in it outside. I know. You mean, he's, but... he's working outside in a shack. I won't even let him work inside. He's out in the freezing Weather having his eyeballs eaten by raccoons, <laughs> but he but he still manages to bleep our swear words. He's a he's well a, because he wants to keep this fucking job. But uh, by the way, good job, Denny, catching every single swear word we've uttered tonight. Yeah, we haven't. Uh, he's he's been good. He's been on top of it, man. Yeah. So you know what? All the fucking kids I can't stand can listen to this show. Mm-hmm. Don't have to worry about you know making their virgin ears bleed. <laughs> But uh, I remember when we got to, uh, it was Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo. God, so, do you remember Super Street Fighter 2, how slow that game felt when it first came Well, that's out? the trick, right? That's when, back when that came out, we knew that there was going to be Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo. We're like, mark my words. Look at how slow this game is. They've already got it planned. They're like, we're going to make this version, we're going to slow it down to like champion the, the, it's, speed. The, it, it felt like the beta. Yeah, yeah. And then we're and then they're gonna like you wait you'll see it it's coming. Uh, Akuma was introduced or Goki if you're in Japan was introduced in uh, Turbo. Was it Super Turbo? It wasn't Super yet, was it? No, it was Super Turbo because Super he Turbo. was he was like the signature character on the artwork. But they did introduce the uh, the flaming dragon punch in uh, in Super though, right? The flaming Ken got the flaming dragon punch yeah. in, in Super, but Akuma 
slash Goki didn't come until Super Turbo. I believe. I, I'm pretty sure that's how. Yeah, he, was, he wasn't in until Super Turbo. Yeah. Character, was... uh, characters that we invented. Mm-hmm. You know that. Right? No, I know that. I know the story. Yeah. We're not going to tell these fucking plubs. Well, yeah, it's... Maybe someday, yeah. if they're lucky. If not for me. For and they me. donate to our Patreon. Do we have one? I don't know. Well, if one of them makes it for us, we'll tell them that story. No. But right. just them. Yeah. Nobody else. It's a good story. It's a really good story. And I tell it well. And maybe you will someday, possibly. Yeah, it was when uh, when, Super, when Super Turbo came out. And I remember how taken aback we were by Ken and Ryu getting hit out of their... Sure, you can. Yep, you've told me this story many a time. I was thrilled just about it. Just doing that, and then just like taking a step back from the arcade machine and going, what? But that was like your, you know, if you played as Ken and Ryu, that was your. Yeah, your world was all fucked Nothing up. you could do. You were in a world of shit at that point, Nothing you could do, man. That fa- As soon as that fierce punch got in, you just put your, if you were the second player, you just put your controller on the ground. If that first Fierce punch got in. Yep. You knew the other three hits were coming right after, mm-hmm. and you were done. And God <laughs> or at least you, you were starred. God, and... God damn, did you take big damage from those games back then. Yeah. But if somebody yeah. was to get in a four hit, and then you get a star, then that's it. Round's over. Round two. Yeah. You're done. Mark would always use that to their advantage. And I believe in the SNES version, there was a glitch where Zangief... You could grab something from like across the room Well, I think if you did a jumping middle punch... Do you remember that? It was that yeah. weird glitch where you did a jumping middle punch. It was auto stars. That's right. So Mark would use that like all the time. Just to, like jump up like that middle. God, no. It does you know, Mark didn't need to do that to beat you with Keith. Well, play, yeah, that's true. But playing until like 2 a.m. Playing until Mark was literally falling asleep between rounds. Like the round. And then Mark's eyes closing. Round two. And then they open again, and he starts playing again. It's like, dude, do you need to go to bed? No, I'm cool, man. Let's keep going. You were talking about Super Turbo. Yeah. So you're just talking about the advent of Goki. Yeah, well, yeah, um, uh, Goki coming along and getting hit out of the um, out of the, the Dragon Punch was just like, oh, my God. That And that carried over to, like, everything else. Like, now you can get hit out of it any time. Well, right. there, not... It still has some frames of invincibility, but it's not like the entire move anymore. Right, right. Like, no matter what you did, you got hit. As long as your character was in that frame, you were invincible. Yeah. But yeah, that carried over into Alpha, which I still say to this day is a beta for Alpha 2. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, Alpha's fun. I enjoy Alpha quite a bit, yeah. but it's a beta for Alpha 2. Sure. Then Alpha 2, Alpha 2 Gold, which was the first appearance of Evil Ryu. Yeah. certain. Yeah. Alpha 2 Gold also had some more rebalancing. And I want to say that um, Cammy was put in it, but she was like Bison's yeah, she had on like the bison. She had the bison's doll off. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I want to say she was put in, and then it was Alpha Three, and then of course the home version of Alpha Three had like what, like fifty freaking characters. Well, or they added man. characters like Guile and stuff yeah. to it, and he wasn't in the arcade build of the Three right. of Alpha Three. They had Guile in there, and they put Fei Long in there. Mm-hmm. So I remember I called... had, I think it had everybody from Street Fighter Two. Yeah. Uh, I remember I called my friend John and I was like, dude, you got to come over. And he's like, why? What's up? I was like, because I got Street Fighter Alpha 3 for the PlayStation 1. Yeah. For the play- because it was just the PlayStation back yeah. then. I got Street Fighter Alpha 3 for the PlayStation and Guy and Fei Long, or no, yeah, Guy and Fei Long are having a fight, dude. It's the fucking coolest thing I've ever seen. Well, you seen. had Guy and Cody. Yeah. Guy, well, Guy and Cody were in the arcade build of three, yeah. Alpha Three. No love for Hagar, though, man. No, no. He did finally make it into a fighter, though, with um, Marvel vs. Capcom 3. 
That's right. He did finally make it. Well, that's he was also. Right. You could also count Final Fight Revenge if you. That's loosely. I don't. You know what? I'll count them ducats if I ever sell my copy. <laughs> Cody is a very interesting character. And you know me. I'm. I used to really heavily be into the continuity and the canon of Street Fighter, like on the level that goes beyond just like knowing what the characters' stories are. Like I was really into the way that they interacted with each other. I was into tracking the stories and all this stuff because you know I'm a storyteller. I'm a writer. Sure. It's not just about the mechanics. I've always argued that like no matter what the video game is, if it doesn't have graphics and music and if it doesn't have some kind of a narrative frame, then you might as well just be playing like stick figures of the game. Like if you don't care about anything else but the gameplay. I, to me, I think that's kind of a boring thing. I think like the aesthetic details are a really fascinating aspect of the game that give it life and breath and take it beyond just the nuts and bolts of the thing. But uh, for a long time there, I was I was really into the storylines of characters, and Cody's storyline is really fascinating to me because here was a guy that had it all. He was going to marry the mayor's daughter. He had he was he had he had great friends, and he ends up in jail. Yeah. And I'm like, why does he end up in jail? What happened to this hero that he fell? And you just come to find out that, like, after taking out Belcher, who was the bad guy from Final Fight, it's Mad like, Gear, right? The Mad Gear gang, yeah. yeah. After taking out um, the boss, he just couldn't stop fighting. He couldn't stop this violent impulse inside of him, so he ended up getting in trouble with the law, and he ended up going to jail because of it. Hmm. It's a really. I never knew that, you know, because I would always see him in like Alpha Three with the stripes and the handcuffs, and I was yeah, like, the what, what happened to Cody? The assumption was always that like he was framed or some shit, right? But it's... well, so Final Fight Revenge makes this attempt to try to tie everything into the into the continuity of the various other games. Like it explains why Guy's not in Final Fight Two, mm. and the reason for that is because like he gets infected with something, so he goes to his like training grounds of his youth to like meditate and get the poison out of him which okay. is why he's in final fight three like he's back after healing himself but like at the end of final fight revenge cody's finishing scene is like he's getting arrested for assaulting a police officer and that police officer happens to be eddie e who's one of the sub bosses of the game right you mean eddie e may be a scumbag but he's also a cop yeah so like he goes to jail for that and it's like you know basically he arrests him because you know you're a troublemaker and you just keep getting into fights all the time they tried to like find a way to like He's a real police officer, yeah. not like the first boss of Bare Knuckle 3. Do you know about that? No. What's the deal there? Uh, well, Bare Knuckle 3 uh, was Streets heavily- of Rage 3, for those of you who are plebs, which is fucking all of you. Yeah, exactly. So when it came over to the U.S., became Streets of Rage 3 from Bare Knuckle 3, and it was heavily censored yeah, because I know that the it was U.S. Heavy- can't Even handle- like the music was changed, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, a lot of stuff. It's, it's, it's horrible. But anyway, I finally played the Japanese version, and I was like, you know, I've never played it. I, sh- I want to see what's different about it. And like immediately, the, the stock enemies are like different. You can tell they're like more like less clothes on the female stock enemies and stuff. Mm-hmm. But the first boss comes out and he's dressed like a policeman, but not like a traditional policeman, like the uh, village people type policeman with like leather boots that come up above the knee. And he's wearing like a purple vest and okay. all purple. And his like attack is that he like prances around the screen. And when you hit him, he like falls on the ground and cries. So a tad homophobic is what you're saying. Yes. Yes, that would maybe be just the, a little bit. That would be the main bullet. Maybe point. a little bit insensitive. Maybe that would be the main bullet point of this of this boss. So Eddie E, not like the first boss of uh, Bare Knuckle. No, 3. he's a man's a man, a real cop. He's a man's, but you know who's more of a man's man? Us. Well, but you know who else is more of a man's man? Are Cody, Guy, and Hagger? Because if you punch Eddie E enough times, he spits out his chewing gum, and you can eat the chewing gum and get a full health. Now it takes a fucking badass 
to fucking pick up a piece of chewed bubblegum off the ground and become invigorated by that to be like, mm, I can go. I, I just, I just knocked this out of your mouth, and now so I'm, I'm going, going to it. enjoy it. You know, I, I fucking take your shit, and I eat it. Yeah, not literally shit. Yeah, because cool guys wouldn't eat shit. No, but and it was probably like fruit stripe. You know, it probably had like no flavor left in it. No, no flavor left in it. But they ate it and they fucking got and they got, got full, full life. health bar out of it. That's that, pretty cool that they actually put that in. Yeah, it's kind of one of those really neat weird little Easter egg. It's a neat thing to put in the game. It's a way to get a full health up from the boss. It's yeah. a reward for doing well against him. Not only do you get to do that, but you also get to just destroy a car with your bare hands. Right. That's fun too. And you also get to make a grown man cry. When he sees the destruction of that car. <laughs> oh, my car. But yeah, so Cody's, they tried to, they tried to tie the storyline all together with Final Fight Revenge. You know, here you got Cody, who's just this troubled guy that can't stop getting in fights. Yeah, I would have thought the same thing, that he was like framed or something. Cody's a good guy. He's not going to get thrown in jail, but yeah. he did. No, but he did, and he actually kind of deserved it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he was beating up Mad Gear thugs, but like the whole storyline implication is that he just, he couldn't stop. Yeah. And actually, if you play Final Fight Streetwise for the PlayStation 2, which is actually not a bad game. Yeah. A lot of people case on it and say it's a kind of a shitty game. It's got a lot of vulgarity in it, profanity, you know, which maybe people don't think is appropriate. For it's a very it's a very it's a game with a very gritty urban setting. Hmm. Whereas Final Fight, if you think about it, is this very stylized, sort of cartoony version of that. Right. But uh but Final Fight Streetwise was their attempt to make it more grim and dark and gritty and it's like you're playing cody's brother yeah and cody like in the game he shows up and he's wearing his uh his prison shirt an orange prison shirt and it's so implying that yeah he did time in jail a long time ago so like they try to do a good job of tying it all together and showing cody is just this troubled dude his best days are well past him like when cody interacts with guy it's a very tense situation like people are unsure of how to act around him like I find that I find Cody to be a really fascinating character for that reason. It's like you know they take a chance with making the hero of their game. Yeah, They're I don't dark. think. Yeah. yeah, I don't think was Cody was never playable in the other two Final Fights for SNES, was he? Definitely not Final Fight guy. Mm. Final Fight guy. <laughs> nice. Yeah, but should no, I explain what? where the mm. comes from? No. All right. Another time. Yeah. Maybe. If you're lucky. If if and you're not because you're not on this. Po- you're not us, so you're not lucky. Yeah. You- because this is the greatest podcast, mm-hmm. best ever. But yeah, I don't think I don't because it was Maki, Carlos, and Hagger. I think were the pl- three playable three? characters. Yeah, and I think there were four playable characters in Final Fight Three. It was Guy. Was Hager, it four? Oh, geez. I it was Guy Hagger, Lucia, and I think there was another guy, like another male character. Holy cow! Wow, I can't remember who. But now Cody was not. It's playable. been too long since I played it. That's a shame. Like I well, used to know stuff like that. Final Fight 3 is actually a really good beat. It's fun. In my opinion. Yeah. opinion. In fact, I think 2 is, too. It's just not as good as the first one. Yeah, the first one is not only good, but, like, iconic, too. It's well, like if, you started, play, if you play... That the, was the precursor to Street Fighter 2. That, like, yeah. established the style, the character style. You right. Know? It, it, established the, it established the artistic direction of the world, what yeah. it's going to be like. And if you pl- go and play the arcade build of Final Fight, the game never gets old. It <laughs> never fucking gets old. Yeah. It, it, and it's so deep. Think about it. A game that's, like nearly 30 years old and it's still just as gripping as it was back then especially when it's badly voice acted on sega cd well that's my favorite uh yeah and mine too even though i've never played that version. <laughs> hello mr hagar we have your daughter it's, it was like something really really bad yeah 
Uh, what was his? Uh, damned, right? What's the da- first? Uh, Damado. Dam- yeah. yeah. Then, yeah, the bosses were Damned. D-A-M-N-D or D-A-M-D. Yeah. And then Sodom. Sodom, yeah. And then... Who uh, ended up in Street Fighter Alpha. Alpha. He ended up in the Alpha series. And actually, in Street Fighter Alpha 1 is a really good character. Yeah. Remember, I, my Sodom skills were yeah, pretty tight. I wouldn't say that too much, though. Uh, what? That my Sodom skills? Yeah, I wouldn't. They'd like it. I'm I wouldn't, Gre- like, tell people in public that. I'm Greek. I'm good at it. <laughs> You're Greek. We could have fun. Oh man, we could have fun. But yeah, then it was uh, it was Damido, yeah. then Sodom, yeah. then the third one was. If I had a bunch of Andres in, uh, who let's be honest, were just Andre the Giant. It was Andre the Giant yeah. in a wrestling ring, yeah. and there were weapons. Yeah, and then the fourth stage was Rolento. That's and right. Who also made it into Alpha, mm-hmm. and then eventually Street Fighter Four, right? Yeah, he's in Street. Well, he went to Street Fighter. He was in Street Fighter Alpha. Two was his first Alpha appearance, and then he ended up appearing in Street Fighter Cross Tekken. Oh wow! And then they then what happened is Capcom when they released Ultra Street Fighter Four, they brought all of the Capcom side characters from Street Fighter Cross Tekken into That's Ultra right. Street Fighter Four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was Hugo, Poison, Rolento, Yun and Yang, or did they appear before yeah. then? No, well, uh, I couldn't say when. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, all the characters that were in the Street Fighter side from Street Fighter Cross Tekken, they brought them. They yeah, brought them into Ultra, yeah, Ultra Street Fighter okay. Four. Now let's talk about Poison for a second. What about him? There you go. Here's the consensus that Poison is a transgender character. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Not a man anymore. He's a new. He's what they call a new half, or what? Back when the characters first was a new half, so he went through the procedure to actually. A new half might be somebody that's went through a partial procedure but still has genitalia. So now but, female? Well, now now poison is a female. Okay. I don't th- I don't think poison talks. What's the, the the whole thing that's strange is that we're even having to talk about this. See, here's the funny thing about Why, this. Why what made Capcom decide that? It could have just been cuz she was a throwaway character. She wasn't even a boss. She was well, just one of the standard Here's the here's the interesting thing about this, okay? So like at one of the websites that I frequent quite often, there used to be this thread about whether or not Poison was a man or a woman or whatever. Yeah. And of course, people started bringing up all the production art design saying Poison's a new half. Okay? I I now there new half actually is is a thing, but mm-hmm. I'm I don't know what it is. Okay? I've just never really researched it cuz I don't really fucking care. No, I don't know. My argument has always been that Poison was originally intended to be a female. But it should have just been as simple as that. I don't know that. Did Capcom have anything to do with this, well, or is this all fan theory? No, no, no. Well, the, it was all fan theory based on this whole production art thing that said new half. So, like, people were always so Capcom did put that initial well labeled it, piece of artwork out. The, yeah, that the labeled piece of artwork. But, they, but Capcom, for the longest time, was like never. They were non-committal on it. Yeah. Like we're there, she's whatever you want her to be, <laughs> right? You know, like, Pro- probably good stance on on their. Well, part. eventually they just ultimately relented, and all of the they started giving actual official answers, and uh, even like Yoshinori Ono, who's the producer currently of Street Fighter, I think at one point he had said, "I always intended for her to be like I, I believe that she's a woman," and I'm like, "Okay, well that's enough for me." You know, right. Yoshinori Ono's saying it; he's the current producer of Street Fighter. That's how it goes. Yeah. But like now. All the production, in, all, all, not the production, but like the databases and stuff like that, the stuff that Capcom actually oversees, it's like may not be what she appears to be. They've all but basically confirmed that she's transgender. Okay. 
And whatever. I don't fucking care. It doesn't matter. It's an enemy that you punch seven times and the life bar disappears. Exactly. In Final Fight. Like, ultimately, ultimately. But now they've made her, because of the popularity of the character, due to, no, in part, to all this weird. This controversy. What's weird about it is this forum that I visit. Like, now this thread has come alive again. And it's just strange that we're talking about it. At the time when this thread had come alive again. That's weird that, yeah, they're like, people are talking about it again. Well, probably because, like, the new game's out. Is she in it? No. Poison's not in it. I don't know that. Uh, well, I, it's just a thing that, you know, people. Pops up now and then. That it's people just need to talk about. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I'm not really sure, you know, whatever. I mean, it's just one of those things. I used to care about it a lot. Yeah. I used to say, like, well, the only reason that. The only reason that they made that they ultimately went with making her a man was because you were beating her up in Final Fight, and they didn't want it to be man on woman violence. So they basically but, said, but doing that almost makes it worse. Well, doing that makes it worse. Like to me, and this is just maybe my crazy fucked up way of looking at things. I think that if a woman wants to step into a, step into an arena that is traditionally a male arena, more power to her. Yep. If she can if she can put damage on Cody or Guy in Final Fight and kill them and make them spend a life. Why shouldn't they be a target for hitting back? Right. You know, like, I mean, let's look at, you know, the pioneers, Chun-Li, Cammy. you know, I mean, they threw themselves in there with people like Zangief and Sagat, you know? Right, I mean, like, is Poison any less capable as a fighter relative to their game? Yeah. Cody is just like, you know, sort of a brawler guy, but he's good enough to compete in Street Fighter level tournaments. So if Poison can give him a run for his money, why are we worried about whether or not Poison is being hit by a man? When Chun Li and Cammy can go into a man's arena and do some things, to me it's like, to me like, should I not hit Chun Li? Should I not hit Cammy? Aren't I just catering to like bad traditional gender role stereotypes if I like don't hit Chun Li or Cammy in a fight? It's it's a fight. They're able to defeat me. I'm able to defeat them. I would think that people like Chun Li and Cammy and even Poison would want me to look at them as fighters first mm-hmm. and as women second. Yeah. You know, I would think that. It's weird that all this, like, transgender stuff is, like, a huge deal right now with the whole Caitlyn Jenner thing and all this. You know, the, the South Park did a whole season about that sort of thing. And it's like, we've been exposed to it for, like, you know, pretty from a, from a young age. It's like, we're kind of, like, indifferent to it because, like, we had, well, first we had Poison. But before that, we even had Yellow Dancer on Robotech. That's true. It, like, was, it was a guy but pretended to be a woman yeah. in order to hide his identity. Yeah. I think that people like us, I think that we expose ourselves to a lot of stuff that's off the cuff already. Mm-hmm. We expose ourselves to a lot of alternative forms of entertainment, a lot of things that, you know, John Q. Public just doesn't make time for and lack, quite honestly, lacks the imagination to appreciate. Yeah. John Q. Public is all about work my eight hours or ten hours, go home to my family, eat my dinner, watch the news, sleep, do it again. Um, whereas we're exposing ourselves to like these insane creative worlds where robots transform into jets and you know cyborgs save the world from crazy robotic creations and greatly stereotyped people from different countries all over the world compete in uh, unregulated and unsanctioned <laughs> fighting tournaments. Yeah. Like we're already – like our minds are conditioned to accept things – Outside yeah, I think when you play video norms. games in general, not just like the things you're talking about, like anime and all these other things, but like just when you play video games, your brain is kind of acclimated to tell what are the rules of this world. Got it. Right. You know, and you just accept it so that whenever you come across that stuff in real life or when you come across conversations relating to it that have sort of like real life tangents, kind of like the poison transgender thing, like it just doesn't phase us that much. Right. I mean, there was a time when I cared about what genre she was, but it was, or what, 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 um, what gender she was, but it wasn't because I was uncomfortable. 
it was because I just had a very strong idea of what poison was. Mm-hmm. Now I don't even fucking care. Like the fact that people are still arguing about it just to me is. Are they still arguing? Like I, I didn't know. Like if it was a discussion about it, or are they well, actually arguing about it at I, this I, point? We already kind of know. Yeah, we already kind of know. But I think that there are people that are, there's a discussion still going on about it. And there are people that are kind of like calling a lot of the. Um, they're calling it a lot of progressive tripe from Capcom. Like you're, they're, they're basically saying that you, oh, you're just saying that now because it's the fashionable thing to say, and it wasn't always originally that intention and stuff like that. Like there's a lot of varying opinions and thoughts yeah. on it. I don't think it's an argument anymore because again, we know That's now they're more or less questioning the motives behind Capcom deciding to take a stance on it. You know, and questioning it and saying, well, because your stance is questionable, I don't have to take it seriously. Like it just goes back and forth and back yada, and forth. Yada. I think the fact that we're just inured to it just means that it doesn't really matter to us. Like, you know, if you tell me if you tell me poisons poison was once a man but had the operation to become a female or, you know, is in the process of becoming a woman, I don't really care. I don't care. I, I watched an anime where uh, two anime schoolgirls fought who they thought was a guy but turned out to be a girl at the end in the middle of a giant space battle with Mecha and... Uh, you know, I'm talking about Project A. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you see, that, that's... Codename a D. But then he was a woman, right? Right. And it, But just a very masculine woman. But you see, who that's, cares? that's the point. Like, we're already past it. We're already over it for the most part, you know, so... And uh, that makes us better people. Well, we're already better people because that's, we have this podcast. Yeah. And you don't. Well, I'm saying we were already better. And well, then we, we be- got the podcast. Right. And so. we just became even better. Yeah. We became greatester people. I'm going to look that up. I to make sure that's a word. It's a word because I just said it. Oh, write it down in your dictionary. Well, they all need to write it down in their dictionary. Listen up, Webster. So Listen, listen Oxford. <laughs> so Greatester. Street Fighter. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. You should play it if you haven't. I uh, I will someday. Yeah, you should. It's yeah, it's a pretty good game. Um, Maybe if you need some uh, some screenshots, you can ask me to help you out. It's weird that you that you never played it because every week we beat M Bison, and Did you we? you ought to know who what he's from since we beat him every week, and he gets revenge on us by running over us with his truck. Is that what he's from? <laughs> I'm sorry, you man. Lose perfect. I'm sorry, I just don't have time to pay attention to these petty would-be dictators trying to muscle in on my territory. We rule this world. Um, <laughs> so, uh, what, do, did do I you... say something funny? <laughs> so, I think that it would be remiss of me not to talk about the problems that I have with Street Fighter V since that is the topic of discussion, or mm-hmm. at least in part. I have been playing the game sparingly mostly doing what little single player content is there uh i'm not really big on going online and playing against people but you know me i mean we've played lots of local matches together and i'm always down for that but the online fight scene is just not for me i just don't enjoy it i like being in the room with the other person it's more fun to banter back and forth not trash talk each other but kind of talk about what's happening while we're playing yeah you know, you know, you mentioned it before, those moments where, like, the two of you land in front of each other mm-hmm. and nobody moves and nobody does anything because you're afraid to fuck up and be the one that loses because of it. Right. Unlike a lot of other players who have just been going out there into the wild, wild west of online competition and just getting their fight on, I've been looking at the game in a more 
complete fashion. Mm-hmm. Is this a good Street Fighter game? Is it a good video game? Is it a good home release? And before I talk about what I dislike about the release, I would like to at least give it credit where I feel it's due. What's good about the game is I like the roster. Mm-hmm. 16 characters is something that some people have complained about saying, what is it, 1996 again? You can only have 16 characters. Well, if 16 characters have a good balance between them and there's a lot to learn between the 16 characters, that's sufficient. And you know they're going to add more as time goes on. I'm from a time when eight characters or two characters was the norm. So that doesn't really bother me, but I'm, I know I'm probably in the minority there. I guess it's fair to say that in this day and age, you should expect your fighting game to have 40, 50 characters. I believe KOF 14 later this year is going to have 50 characters. But if they'd have told me it was just going to have 24 characters, like eight teams of three, mm-hmm. I'd have been fine with that. Yeah. You know, I don't need a massive roster. Well, it's like Marvel versus Capcom 2. What was that, 56? Yeah. And it's like, how many do you play as, seriously? Right, well, how many of those 56 characters like do you play regularly? Maybe 10? Well, and on the tournament It's like team, having a 21-speed bike. You go up a hill, you put it in first. You go down the hill, you put it in 21st. And nobody uses all the gears in between. It's right. stupid. No, it's a good point. And with Street or with uh, Marvel vs. Capcom 2 in particular, there are a few characters and combinations that any serious player of that game goes with. Yeah. You know, they're always going to. Doom and Strider are a great combination if you pay attention to the comp scene. I believe one of the teams is Storm, Cyclops, and Sentinel. Mm-hmm. I think. Again, I, I'm not a competitive tournament fighter anymore. By the time Marvel vs. Capcom too got big i was already like completely out of the loop i was just playing locally with friends at that point so but there are there are a staple of like 10 characters in that game that if somebody plays a team that doesn't have one of those 10 characters in it you're shocked i like big rosters don't get me wrong but if a game only comes out with 16 fighters and those 16 fighters are enough to have good competitive matches with your friends I don't really have a problem with that. And I think these 16 characters are all very good. They all have diversity in terms of their gameplay styles and what's required to master them. I'm not talking about the cultural diversity or the racial diversity. None of that. I'm talking about strictly the gameplay elements. You know, there's enough difference difference between the characters and how they play. Even Ryu and Ken don't really play all that similarly anymore. Mm. Ryu still essentially plays like Ryu, but... There are some differences. You do have to kind of learn even it all from over Street Fighter Four, yeah, to five, yeah. Hmm. There are some differences. The game plays a little bit differently. Uh, the V system slower. No, it's faster. Oh. In my opinion, it's faster. Like faster than Alt Four Ultra. Yeah, yeah. It, it moves wow. at a pretty good clip, in my opinion. Because hmm. usually they'll slow down the first release in preparation for. Well, later we're coming out with a super that's faster or super turbo or ultra or whatever they're going to call it but yeah i think the speed is something that's almost incidental but it feels a little bit faster to me maybe the responsiveness of the controls is what's different and maybe there's less frames of animation i again i'm not data mining the game to those degrees i'm simply experiencing it as a person who played competitively in the early 90s has stuck with the genre because i enjoy it but i've really stopped paying attention to all the number crunching it just doesn't matter to me anymore but i feel that the game balance is good and i like the character selection Mm -hmm. the v system adds all new play mechanics to every character 
So when you trigger the V system, different characters do different things, and they can they have different advantages with the with the V system. So as the V as the V meter is running down, you have a limited amount of time to play the character with certain advantages and in certain different ways. Like for some characters, the V system grants them access to some new types of moves, or their moves function drastically differently, which can throw a person off their game. Hmm. Other characters, it d- performs a move which can be a nice setup. There's a lot of different ways in which it can be implemented. So essentially, every character is really more like one and a half characters when you act when you activate your V system. Interesting. So the graphics are great. The animation is really cool. The music, all of the new arrangements of the classic Street Fighter characters that are in there sound fantastic. I oh, think good. you're really going to dig them. And they use them like when it's not like four Right. Okay. Yeah, when you're fighting that character, uh, I believe it's controlled by player two. Whoever's player two, you hear their music. Oh, cool. There are no or there are no character specific stages from what I can tell. You know, while I think that, it's while we you know, we mentioned how that kinda of bothers us, but also you kinda of have to think about, well, if there's this many characters in the game, we have to make a stage for so sixteen stages. maybe that's a stretch, I don't know. Yeah, there's a couple that are really thematically very nice. Like there's um, one for the Shadowloo bosses. But the Shadowloo bosses now are Balrog, M. Bison, Vega, and this new guy, Fang. Okay. Sagat's not in the game. They haven't hinted that he'll make an appearance, but I have a very hard time believing that he won't be in there by the end of it. Uh, but Maybe at the end- uh, his scar got infected. <laughs> he died. Yeah, even though he's just this badass Thai warrior and up until recently like the strongest fighter in the world all it takes is a scar kind of like cal jogo from game of thrones hmm. you know he couldn't be defeated in a battle but an infection finished him off yeah so you know sagat's like all skinny and laying on like a cot so <laughs> okay so except for the fact that he's laying on a cot he's like he was in the first well, yeah i guess but so now they've got a new guy because if you play street fighter 4 and you pay attention to the story and i'll get to that in a second mm-hmm. you know that sagat kind of lost touch with Shadowloo's motives and ambitions. In fact, if you pay attention to the character background, the sense that you get is that he was only really ever in it for the fighting. Yeah. Being a crime boss just didn't matter to him. Yeah. He got to be a thug and that led him to a lot of opportunities to fight. Right. Right. But somewhere along the way, he found his soul again and just stopped being evil. Yeah. It probably Ryu had a lot to do with that. Yeah. Yeah. Ma- getting uh, Dragon Punch. Sheng Long, ripping your chest open will set you straight. <laughs> well, actually, that happened at the end of Street Fighter 1. Yeah. So he's carried that scar with him throughout all of Street Fighter 2 and 3 and the Alpha games and 4. Like, that's... But it seems to me like Street Fighter 4 is the Right, point. but now it got infected. Right, well, So okay. now he's like, oh. No, right. Because uh, he, ne- he never took the time to put some fucking Bactine in there or anything. You know? Now he's like, oh, I should be good so I get better. So maybe he'll show up in a later update, like with a Band-Aid and a glass eye instead of an eye patch. Sure. Like clean himself up. Right. Wear a suit and tie. Hmm? Okay. Got the new improved <laughs> by Gaming AM. Real, exactly like Gaming AM. We're still pioneering new moves and new characters, even today. Real, just see him in his business suit, going to be a salary man at some Japanese office, working 20 hours a day and passing out in his office. And he'll be like, what happened to you, man? You used to be somebody. You had one fucking job, man, and it wasn't wearing a suit and sitting at a cubicle. Well, that kind of reminds me of what they could have done with him in Street Fighter the After Years. But oh. that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. But, um, oh, man, it's so good. We can talk about that later, though. 
I want to stand Street Fighter V for a bit. So the characters are great. The the fighting is really good. The backgrounds are awesome. They have the added they added this new element to the backgrounds that's kind of if you played real about Fatal Fury, mm-hmm. you know that you can finish matches by hitting people into like the subway trains and stuff like yes. that. That element exists, but it's kind of like a knockout effect. Like in real about, you could push somebody into a corner, and then no matter how much health they had, you could ring out them. Mm. And the ring outs could be kind of clever. Like they could either fall off the ledge of the of the train station and just land on the tracks, or if a train was there, they'd fall into the train and they'd be pounding on the glass as right. it drives away, which is really funny. Right. Um, that's one of the reasons I love SNK so much, is because they have those little bits right. in there. They do but stuff like that. In this game, it's the same thing. I was fighting in the in the China stage, or it might have been the Hong Kong stage, or whatever. It's it's a Chinese stage, and I had the uh, computer opponent cornered, and I beat him down. And then when he got knocked out, he fell back into a uh, bus, and he landed in the seat of the bus, and the bus doors closed, and then it drove away. It it was just a clever way to do a KO. Yeah, but the game has some of that stuff in it, but it's not. Uh... I think the one that takes that to the biggest extreme is Dead or Alive, where you can knock them into a whole new, like, area. Yeah, which I really like, yeah. actually. It's one of the things about Dead or Alive that I really like is how the environment changes. What it does is it forces players that really want to be good at that game to understand all the possible different environments that they could end up in. Right. Yeah, there's dial combo going on there, but if you're a good enough player, you know where those combos are going to hit. You know when they're going to go high or low, and you know the counter system can really punish a person who relies too much on dial combos. Yeah. Dead or Alive is a series that really has that division between the scrubs and the top-level players. Like <laughs> The top-level players know what combo string you're about to go into, and they just react to it. So I don't really buy into the whole Dead or Alive doesn't require any technique to play. I think it does. No, I think it does too. But I, I prefer to dial a combo with other friends who dial a combo because it's just fun seeing what crazy shit's going <laughs> right. to happen. I don't, I don't take it seriously. To get back to Street Fighter again, after all the good things I've said about it, it does have some problems. One thing I can say about a Capcom release is that I don't think I've ever seen a Capcom game come out that was truly an early access game, and that's what Street Fighter V feels like to me. Mm. The closest I can say of Capcom games that I've played is Dead or, Devil May Cry 2. Mm. Felt like an early access game from the standpoint that the story just wasn't that fleshed out at all. It was just a bunch of stages where you fought enemies loosely strung together by the barest of plot threads, which is weird because, like, Probably the most important thing about Devil May Cry is its charm and its personality, its yeah. characterizations. But the characters have to be doing something that is at least marginally interesting. And in Devil May Cry 2, they're not. It just feels like that game needed more narrative in order to make you care about anything that's happening. Yeah, the combat's fine. But if I really wanted a game that just had really great combat in that vein... There there's are a other, lot of them like that. Well, there's a lot of them like that. There's a lot of games, all the other games in that series. Even DMC, for as much as I case on it, it's got good fighting. Yeah. So if I wanted a game where it was all just about the button combinations and the technique, there are plenty of games. But Street Fighter. Oh, you feel- don't want to talk about the DMC remake? <laughs> Maybe you know what? That's a topic for another day. I believe me, I could fill two hours just talking about that. So it feels like an early access game, and here's why I say that: there's practically no single player content in the game. Yeah, there is a there's a survival mode, which is kind of neat. You fight someone, and when you defeat them, you get like a grocery list of items that you can choose from, and whatever score you've accumulated, you can spend some points of your score to buy a buff 
Okay. For your next fight, you don't recover health normally, so you have to spend points to get some of your health back and keep it going. Mm. There are other buffs you can buy, other things that you can buy, like you know V meter. Um, you can buy super meter. There's other things that you can purchase to keep yourself going if you're if you just have that unlucky round. None of it's really that hard. I always think about the logistics, like just the logic behind a survival mode. If you're like, imagine it happened in real life, a survival mode in real life, and like after you get in a fight with somebody, don't you take a break and like fight another dude the next day? Like you know how you always have to like you, you sometimes you get your life back, sometimes you don't. What if it happened in real life? Is there just like a line of dudes standing off to the side waiting to jump in? Like, well, I'm going to fight this dude, and then, like, uh, you beat him. And then, like, there's another dude waiting in line. I don't get – and then you're, like – and now in this game, you're, like, uh, oh, wait, I have to go to the uh, – I have to go to the buff store. Just – I'll fight you, but let me go to the buff store and buy my buffs. I'll be right back. <laughs> okay. I got him. I'm back. All uh, right. I'll be, I'm coming out. I'll be there in just a second. <laughs> and there's, like, a line of dudes. Like, how long is he going to be in there buying his buffs? It just gets to the point where, like, Ryu's hoping they'll all leave. <laughs> He'll every once in a while look out the window and just smile and wave to him. I'm in line. Well, actually, the, the kind of the point of survival mode is to run a gauntlet anyway. Yeah, yeah. So the, the point is to see how many people you can fight before they take you down. Yeah. Um, there is a way to finish it. I didn't bother. I hmm. kind of got bored after 20. And I was spending my points to stay alive. But, yeah. you know, that's kind of one of the charms of it. just a classic arcade mode. Is you, It's going to end eventually. Yeah. In the arcade days, that would have sucked because you're – spending quarters but now you pay 60 bucks you've got the game forever so it's nice to just you know i'm gonna sit down and play street fighter for like a half an hour right i'm gonna do a run on arcade mode i'm gonna see how much better i've gotten since i practiced last or whatever or i just want to fuck around and have fun yeah but the traditional arcade mode best two out of three rounds is not in this there's no story mode so even if there was an arcade mode there wouldn't be any cutscenes. now actually that's not true there is a story mode in the game but what it is is you get a bunch of still frames of characters talking to each other, and there actually is voice acting, and it is you can do it in Japanese or in English. That's kind of neat. Okay. Um, the the artwork for these still frames, it looks like the artwork from uh, the cutscenes in Street Fighter Alpha Three. Oh, cool! So it looks like it's done by the same guy, which I believe it's Bengus did the art. Okay. Bengus or Akiman, one of the two. Again, mm-hmm. I'm I'm not bothering to research it that well. I believe it's Bengus. So like you'll get the still frame. And then every once in a while, it'll go to the fight after you get done reading some dialogue. And it's, it's always the same thing, right? Like, I'm just trying to get stronger. And then one of the characters comes in and is like, oh, you know, I want to learn how to fight. And I want to fight you and get stronger fighting you. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I don't really want to fight you. Well, we're here now, so let's fight. It's like pretty much it's all variations yeah. on that theme. You're not really learning anything about the characters. Chun-Li's are cool because they're flashbacks. Okay. So you actually see her fighting Vega at an earlier point in her life when she's dressed like a police officer. That's cool. And then the Ryu and Ken fight scenes, it's all – they're wearing their alpha outfits. It's all from when they're training. That's fun. So that's neat. You I know, like that. So you know that those costumes are in the game and you know that they're paying attention to the continuity, which tells me that – whether or not the competitive tournament scene cares about the story mode, Capcom cares about the story mode right. because they're actually including those different costumes. Because think about it. If that stuff doesn't matter, why even include it? Right. Just put in one base costume. That's all you really need. You're just pushing buttons and moving a control stick around, right? Like, yeah. is, is that all that matters? Well, so they include that stuff for that reason. Yeah. It could also be for money. Um. But to, to, well, costumes equal dollars. Oh, right. But the thing is, in this game, all that stuff can be unlocked without having to spend a single real-life dollar. Oh, okay. 
Like you can, you get as you play through the game. You so get, they care a little bit, right? Just a tiny little bit, not that much, not as much as we care. <laughs> right. They they have this thing in there. Whenever you do something in the game, you get fight money. You know, oh, buy right. fight money. <laughs> And then exactly. you use the fight money, you go into their in-game marketplace, which the marketplace isn't available yet. It's going to be available in March. Again, and this is another problem. Oh, boy. But the marketplace is going to be available in early March. It's like silly. Like we're sitting here laughing at it. It's, right. It's, it's just stupid. You know, but Story mode's coming in June. Right? It's, it's yay, June. Um, you get the fight money, then you can buy characters and costumes and colors and stuff like that. You can also unlock some of them by playing through but to get back to story mode, what's in the game is your story mode will be like you'll fight one time against a character. Then there will be some more dialogue. And then you'll fight another time against another character. And then that'll be it. Mm-hmm. Then there will be like some sort of neat little epilogue. So you might get like two, maybe three fights depending upon the character. Oh, really? Yeah, that's it. And then story mode's over. What it feels like to me is it feels like a prologue to the yeah. story mode. Like if you play through all the story mode with the characters, then whenever you get the full cinematic story mode that's coming in June, all of it will make more sense because you played this preamble section. Um, and also doing it gives you some benefit because you get fight money. Yeah. And you get the availability to change costumes. Once the costumes are available, you'll be able to alter your costumes in story mode with those characters. So they give you like a few little things. But you now know, all I can see in my head is like a line of characters waiting outside the shop, like with a wad, a wad of fight money in their hand and just waiting outside the shop. And it just says closed. Right. And, and the vendor is like, man, these guys stink. They only wear one outfit. I'm glad they're coming in here to buy something. Something new. Um, the market that they're promising for the fight money, which you can also spend real life money if you want to, or you can just get the in-game currency and unlock it like right away. Unlock it like right away. Oh, so you but otherwise your... you have to wait and spend your fight money when right. the shop opens in June or whenever the hell. Well, that'll be March, but March. they they and I believe Alex is the first of the six expansion characters that's going to be available in hmm. March, which is cool because Alex really deserves he deserves a spot. Yeah. He's a really great character and. They've given him the short end of the stick so much. but Since 3, yeah. Well, he did appear in Tatsunoko versus Capcom, which is actually not a bad game. It's kind of fun. I bought the Nintendo, I uh, bought the fight stick for it. Oh, okay. It's fun to play with that. Yeah. So the in-game market for fight money, not available yet. Online versus mode, not available. I don't believe, but I believe... Online play. versus? Not... So what do you play online? Well, I think you just go online and you just compete against other people. Well, you know what? If if oh, so it's just like ranked. Reg- yeah, you can do ranked. ranked or, well, maybe casual matches satisfy that. But I can't say I want to play. Yeah, I think if you do a casual match, you can pick someone else. So that's there. But but so as it stands right now, could I get online and say I want to fight Tyso? Yeah, I actually I believe you could. I okay. want to. So I'm going to take that back. I'm going to recant that. Um, but again, I don't really know because I haven't bothered playing it. Yeah. The playing the the online mode. I do think that it's cool that they did uh, whenever it's done, but it's going to be cross-platform. I heard. That's, yeah. That's kind of cool. Yeah. The other stuff that's missing again, of course, is a full-blown story mode. There's no challenge mode. There's a training mode, but it's yeah. just you with a training dummy, and you just give it with behavior. Dan? Huh? Is it Dan? No, you just pick whoever you want. No, okay. You pick any one of the other characters. That's another charm of the training mode in Street Fighter Four that it was Dan. Yeah, you with always his pads on beating on Dan. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's funny. Just put a random character that you can pick. Kind of takes the charm. Yeah, well, it, it, again, it feels very bare bones. Yeah. So there's no challenge mode. So like, I, I kind of thought that the challenge mode in Street Fighter Four was sort of stupid. 
And what I mean by that is not that it didn't take skill because it did. I never finished them all. But there were combos introduced in that challenge mode that people just would never use. No. Nobody would ever play with that shit. No. And some of the crap that you had to do in that. Like, it was just like, give me combinations that people would actually do. That would actually be useful to how me. Many would, how many did each character usually have? Ten, I think. Ten. No, 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 no. It was 30. That's retarded. Somewhere be- actually, somewhere between 24 and 30. I honestly don't yeah, remember. Ten's enough. Who introduced that? That was, wasn't that EX? I think the first time we saw that was on PS1 in Street Fighter EX, the uh, the challenge mode, right? Yeah, I think so. And I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. Like, this is fun. This is neat. It's, it's something else that you can do by yourself when, well, back then there was no online, but it's something you can do by yourself if you're eager, if you're in the mood to play Street Fighter, you don't just want to go through the story mode. You just want to do something. It's a good way it. to learn a few basic combos, but right. like you said, it gets dumb after like you know Hadouken. Okay, sure you can. Got it. Tatsumaki. Okay, got that. Now jumping fierce into you know do the four hit dragon punch. Fine. Then it gets like you know jumping middle to crouching to crouching low to, yeah. it just okay. to like you hit them and then you have to interrupt one super with another super and then do an ex fireball to finish it off and or then an air throw yeah exactly it's just <laughs> a toe tap know, is this street fighter or is it marvel versus capcom yeah you know like marvel that's for marvel versus capcom yeah it's so, a, it gets a little silly at the end so like if you look at my challenge mode like in any of the games it'll be like ken and ryu completed and then the rest of them, like, sporadically, yeah. like, five or so done. <laughs> it's I, like, I, can't I, do it. I did it till I just thought it got dumb and yeah. I didn't need to do it. Because think about it. What do you get? You get a trophy out of it and you maybe get, like, you know, some sort of A new badge for online a mode. A badge, exactly. Yeah. It's, so what? There's no ch- but, there, but there is no challenge mode in Street Fighter V. As much as we're casing on it, it's nice that they <laughs> included there. it. It's not there. You know, no story mode. Um, I've said that already. Um, so the game just feels like an early access game to yeah. me. It just but feels, it's not. No. It's complete, in quotes. But, but and you pay $60. It, it's so complete that they're adding the market in March, and they're adding a story mode in June. Like, And I've heard the, uh, the theories that they released it early because they wanted people to get used to it for the com- competition at Evo. Another thing, Capcom is apparently going really hard with the eSports, but the eSports is like a niche thing. You know, it's just This is not going to be League of Legends. No. Street Fighter will never be League of Legends. It, it, it's not possible for it to reach those crazy heights. It, it's like, I feel like Capcom is just throwing the shit at the wall and seeing if it'll stick. They're like, just we not- want Capcom to be like that, but we want, we want Street Fighter to be like that, I mean to say, but it's just, I don't know, maybe. Well, I guess I want them to just release a complete home game. This yeah. isn't an arcade game. Yeah. You know, this is a home console release. Yeah. And that brings up the point about Yoshinori Ono saying that they edited some of the content in the game because it was upsetting people, mm-hmm. you know, and they wanted it to be as inclusive as possible, air quotes inclusive, mm-hmm. because if you look at some of the character designs in this game, it's not inclusive. It pretty much... Removing a butt slap is the least of your worries with some of the costumes you got going on in this game. And, and that's the point I'm going to make. Some of the costumes, some of the character designs. Yeah. Like, you know, if you look at Laura in this game, like her tits are all over the place. You mm-hmm. know, they're just out. Yeah. And that's fine with me. I, I like sexy character designs. I personally don't have a problem with it. But you can't remove an Armika butt slap or a Kami crotch shot during her super and then say, okay, 
we've we covered all the bases. Right, because We're if inclusive. you look, if you look at those costumes and you just look at those character designs, the poses, yeah. and the way they look when they're doing some of their moves. Like one of Cammy's alternate costumes is a military coat, but there's no pants. It's like it's just her Delta Red outfit, and yeah. she's wearing an army coat over it. Yeah. So like it doesn't look like she's wearing pants. Mm-hmm. How is that? How does that even make sense? You know, like again, I don't have a problem with it because it's a video game. It's a fantasy. It's not real. Yeah. It's a cartoon. And, and these women are punching and kicking back. It's not like they're victims. Yeah. You can say that they're being objectified, whatever. But the whole idea of the male power fantasy is also an objectification because like a lot of a lot of young men will want to play a strong character because one of the things about that strong character is that they know that if I can be that guy I could be more appealing to other people mm-hmm. I could be more appealing to girls so it still is a sex principle yeah. you know regardless of what anyone says you know I guess for, for me what it boils down to is it's street fighter men the the fact that this is the, this whole issue gets brought up and blown out of proportion over Street Fighter. It's Street Fighter. Well, It's not important in the grand scheme of life or anything. Well, you have to understand that the moral outrage warriors will complain about anything. The, you know, they'll, they will do the oppression Olympics about yeah. anything. I guess that's just not me, so I'm like far right. removed from it. You You're know? very far removed from it, and believe me, it's a good place to stay. Yeah. Based, on, based on my other online journalism that I do, it's, it's not something I can avoid. And again, that goes back to what I said about you being brave getting into games journalism because I just don't talk to people online in general. So I, I don't interact. I don't get involved. And it's just, you know, it's better for me. If I have to get involved, I can hold my own, but I'm just, I don't really want to. And and I'm, I'm kind of with you there on that point too. It's just that I can't avoid the stories. I don't have to talk about them, but they're always going to be there. Like every time Nintendo of America edits a game or every time Capcom does this shit or something like that, it's just a news story that's always going to be put in my face. And I have to decide whether or not I want to say anything about it or write about it or whatnot. But anyway. Usually on Gawker Media. Right. Well, of course. That that wonderful bastion of journalistic integrity. Hulk Hogan can't sue them fast enough, in my opinion. <laughs> and I say this knowing that, you know, like he got caught on tape saying some things that in this day and age are unbecoming. But on top of the sex tape stuff, like the racism. But, you know, yeah. this is how bad it's got. I'd rather a guy like Hogan sue them and put them out of business than them survive the uh, the allegations and court charges of yeah. an alleged racist, you know, like it's funnier. I w- I want the racist to beat Gawker. That's how <laughs> that's how much I hate Gawker. Yeah. But to bring it back to Street Fighter once again, um, the whole idea that they want to make the game more inclusive, okay, by removing two frames of animation, right? Two which, pieces of animation, which I guess which, I say. which already gamers have patched that stuff back into the PC version. <laughs> So, like, right. good job, Capcom. Yeah, I'm giving I mean, you a giant thumbs up here. With the, yeah. you know, but the the point that I'm trying to make isn't necessarily about the social issue. The point that I'm trying to make is about the marketing issue. Yeah. You want the game to be inclusive, great. That's perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. But then you have to have single player modes because if you're trying to reach a broader audience, you have to understand that your broader audience is not going to be a combat sports intensive audience. They're not going to be a competitive scene esports intensive audience. Most of them are just going to buy the game to either play with their friends and play by themselves. That's the nature of the casual gamer. Casually gaming means that you play when it's convenient for you to play. And when I say casual gamer, you're talking about a broader market, a more inclusive market, because that by its nature is what defines a broader market. 
a broader market is going to be, you know, a larger range of people. How many per- what's the percentage of people that when you consider a broad market are super intense about being the absolute best they can be at a game like Street Fighter? It's mm. going to be a small percentage. It's going to be a niche. Yeah. Evo, I believe, draws 150,000 like the audience if you if you count up all the different people watching and it's like, you know, they there might be millions watching around the world that I'm not sure of, but I believe the number is like 150,000 for people that like show interest in actually being that dedicated to it. That's a statistic I read somewhere and I don't remember where I got it from, so don't call me on it. It's just all I know is it's it's a small number. It's a small group of it's people. Even, yeah. even if it's a number that's like a million, that's nothing. In comparison, Be- yeah, right. It's nothing in comparison because if you think about the number of people that, say, bought the Wii, that's a broad market. <laughs> as much as I dislike the way Nintendo does its business these days, one thing you can't deny is that under Iwata, they did business. Yeah. The, the Wii, that whole meme about it printing money, well, it did. <laughs> yeah. Um, not my favorite system, but it had some good games on it. You know, that's a broad market. How many people, or even Call of Duty players, let's say Call of Duty players, let's scale it back and let's go to something that's a bit more hardcore than the Wii U. How many Call of Duty players are actually good at that game? Mm. And how many are just dude bro lunkheads that enjoy the game because it's the type of thing where they can get on, dress up like their favorite army hero, and go shoot brown people. Mm-hmm. They're going to die a million times. They know they're going to die a million times, and they're just going to respawn, and they don't care. When you're talking about a broad audience, there's only a certain percentage that is going to be intensely competitive. Now, take a look at Street Fighter. You've taken out all of the casual modes, or they're not there yet, okay, except for casual match. You've taken out all the casual modes. Right now, the only ways that you can play this game are to play the very limited story mode, to play the survival mode, both of which are really boring. Yeah. You're not going to keep casual players with those modes. Right. Then the other thing you can do is go online, go into the wild jungle and get online. And they're going to get absolutely crushed by the hardcore players that have already mastered this game. Yeah. Or at least mastered a few characters. So your casual audience, you're trying to reach out Yoshinori Ono and Capcom and get as many people to play this game as possible but you haven't given them the modes to keep them invested yeah I'd call their priorities for inclusion a little out of whack well and I think what it comes down to is them saying that is they know how much racy content quote unquote racy content if you're a sensitive little snowflake then it's racy but if you're a normal person it's perfectly fine they know how much quote unquote racy content is. if you're a sensitive snowflake though i how did you become a gamer well a lot of these people aren't gamers a lot of these people are never going to buy street fighter it's the same thing as when they complain about the joker cover with Batgirl. Yeah. They're not going to buy it. They just don't like the idea of a woman being objectified on the cover of a I Batman I saw it on Facebook, well, and I so, don't like it. Right. Well, removed entirely from context of the story, they didn't read The Killing Joke. Yeah. They don't know that he shot her through the spine and crippled her for mm-hmm. a long time. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't understand the context of what's happened. She was a victim. Right, right. He made her a victim. Right. It, it's something that it has a context, you know? And, of course, I heard the arguments, oh, did they ever show Batman in that situation? Well, Batman has been a prisoner of the Joker many times. Well, was he crying? No, but that's not his character. Mm-hmm. So he wouldn't. You know, it would be if they did that simply to make a statement that, oh, see, look, we can have Batgirl crying because we also have Batman crying. If they did that, then once again, that would be that would be just as bad as them removing the Batgirl cover with the Joker, because what they're doing is they're placating a minority audience that is not even going to buy the comic. And that's what's happening here with Street Fighter. There's right now there's a lot of social awareness of this kind of stuff. And Capcom 
that was their mea culpa to get people off their back. Yeah, yeah. That's all it was. And to speak about the Armika butt slap for just a second, that is not a sexualized thing to me. You know what that is to me? That's an aggressive thing. Mm -hmm. That's a pro wrestling thing. Right. Like when a, when a when a pro wrestling woman turns around and slaps her ass before she goes to kick your butt, she's not saying come take and plow me. take me, plow me from behind. <laughs> yeah. That's not what she's saying. Right. She's saying kiss my ass. Right, right, right. And she's not saying it in the good way. Right. She's saying it like, I'm about to destroy you. Yeah. You know, this is what I think of you. Kiss my ass. When you tell someone to kiss your ass, basically it means you don't think anything about them. Mm -hmm. That's what Rainbow Mika is essentially doing. Slapping her butt is like, you know, there are outrage warriors that like to sexualize the rear end and say, oh, well, you know, it's all sexual. Well, but we also look at the rear end as like one of the least worthy places for another person to have to consider on our body, you know? <laughs> It's like saying suck my dick. Yeah. You know, it's a demeaning thing. Yeah. It's not a sexual thing. Yeah. So did you hear that community? We are here to explain it to you because we understand it. Yeah. And nobody else seems And now to you get do it. too. If if we get complaints about this, leave our planet. <laughs> Denny will uh set you up. Yeah. In fact, he'll just censor you so much that nobody has to listen to you. Yeah. Cuz we're tired of it. Oh, that'd be nice if you could do that. Yeah, it would be. You know, Denny can only do so much, mm -hmm. unfortunately. God bless him. He does what he can. Well, I'm still not paying him. <laughs> Neither am I. So, really, he he should feel grateful that we give him a box mm -hmm. outside mm -hmm. to live in. Mm -hmm. Street Fighter. Yeah. The whole Rainbow Mika thing, slapping her butt. To me, that's just a mea culpa. That's just Capcom saying, we need to say something. We need to give these people their placebo so they leave us alone because yeah. we don't want them looking at all the other stuff we've put in this game. <laughs> we don't want them looking at all the other crazy costumes or Laura's boobs or you know any of that stuff. We don't want them doing any of that. Just get away from that. So this sent everyone on their way happy, thinking they'd won a victory, and Capcom gets to put almost everything they want in the game. Right. Honestly, Capcom should just put the patch in. The yeah. PS4 version. There's, there's Maybe no they problem. will and just won't tell anybody. Yeah, they, they just should. Anyway. Did you see, uh, I saw a video where um, on the Versus screen, like you first select your two characters that Versus and it shows the two characters, right? And I guess there was a glitch where like Chun-Li's boobs were flapping all around in that. Yeah, and they were saying, about it? yeah, I heard it and they were saying that, um, well, what it was is it was in the beta. Okay. When you were playing in the beta, uh, I didn't play the beta. I didn't care enough. Well, I but, don't care enough about the final one. <laughs> like from everything you said, it sounds like this first time in history that I will say this. It just doesn't sound like it's for me right now. Right. Like I don't think I'm going to get it right now. Like well, I think I'll wait and see like what comes later. Right. I think I think you would be best served waiting for the because I'm not going to play online and you know right. I play it for like casual or for the story. I like the stories. I like. None of that's in there, so yeah. what do I care? Well, I mean, eventually, I'm sure we'll get some matches going. Yeah. You know, it's inevitable. I'll bring it over sometime. We'll fire it up. We'll play it. Sounds good. Well, that's about it, isn't it? Yeah, the, the, I think uh, I think we're uh, we covered the bulk of uh, our uh, our material for this wing. They, you know, if you um, if you made it through to the end, we appreciate it. Well, we know you made it through to the end. Yeah. Well, because yeah. if you didn't, we're Denny's going to pay you a visit. Oh boy. Yeah, you don't want that. No, you don't. It's okay. <laughs> well, uh, anything you want to mention? No, I mean, I think we covered it all as far as Street Fighter goes. I've, I have one other thing. Okay. Uh, there's a website um, called, uh, well, you, you may or may not know this. My day job is um, I install people's 
TVs and TV antennas, and I do like a lot of AV work. I'm an AV guy. Uh, I go to a lot of like home theater sites, doing re, you know, R&D and looking up like the latest products and looking up kind of stuff. Something I'm into. Uh, there's a website called uh, Reference Home Theater, referencehometheater.com. And uh, as I was perusing their site, looking at various articles and reviews that they have up for various um, AV products and home theater stuff, uh, I stumbled upon a, um, they had a giveaway. Like sometimes they get free stuff from companies like, here, review this. We'll send you a free thing. Please review it. And send it, whatever. Um, and they're like, you know, they have these extra things laying around. So they do giveaways and like, I'll always enter a giveaway. Like I'll get free stuff. Cool. I'll always, I always take it. So uh, I'm like, it was a, it was a, uh, like a so you're the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I, when I see cool stuff like that, like there was a giveaway for an iPad on this one website. There's a giveaway for a Raspberry Pi on another. I just, I, I throw my name in, the, in these hats, hoping I'll get picked. I never do. Never have, like in my entire life. Uh, they were giving away, like it was a, uh, it was this weird, um, it was a stereo system that used like, it was like a retro stereo system that used like old, remember the old vacuum tubes, like in old TVs and old, and you powered it on, they like, you had to like power oh, up. And yeah. it's the, so it's this old retro stereo system that has old vacuum vacuum tubes in it from like the 50s you know on up you know they used like that kind of thing they got rid of them for like you know newer electronic components anyway i'm like that seems cool i'll throw my name in that hat and i won it's like a like a 300 dollars thing and it comes with speakers and everything pretty neat i won it so i said do you have to like go and sit down and listen to some you don't have to do nothing really you just you they're like uh give us your twitter handle and like tell us something that you would like us to review in the future so i put in my twitter handle and i was like you know, do more articles on the Raspberry Pi. I always like to hear about Raspberry Pi. That's like my big thing that for, that I use for a media player right now. So do more Raspberry Pi stuff. That's all I did. And then, like, you know, I forget about them. You know, I'm like, I'm never going to win this. I, I forget them. And then, like, a month went by. Completely forgot. Got an email from them. They're like, you won. I was like, what? That's insanity. So it's not, I don't have to, like, plug them. I'm not, like, required to do anything like that. I just mm-hmm. wanted to because they did something nice for me. It's like, hey, I want to, they're going to ship it to me. And that, so brand new stereo for free. I'm happy about that. So reference home theater. Dot com. Thank you, guys. I told cool. him. I told him. I mentioned him on a podcast as a as a thank you. I we should do to, some giveaways at some point. You, mm, maybe we should. I have a few things I could give away. Mm, yeah, we'll have to think about that. You must be eighteen or older. Oh yeah, right. The reason for that isn't because I'm implying anything sexual. It's because I hate kids, <laughs> as we've well established. Well, yes, I I could not live with myself. If I found out I'd given something away for free to a child. Yeah, you're right. It, it, yeah, your hatred for children is is established. It's legendary. And, and you're a legendary man. As is your... Thank you! <laughs> you, spent the first, you spent the opening of the episode breaking me down and, uh, and uh, shattering my confidence. But at least now I know it was all a sham. Yeah, yeah. So... <laughs> so, um... Now, uh, now we broadcast. Now we're not... Uh, you can go to our website... Listen to our podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, What's the website? Gamingam.com, if I recall. How, you know, I don't even know why I asked you that question. Everyone remembers. Yeah, that's true. They know. It is like the most important website ever. Yeah, the, uh, the dot matrix printer, uh, you know, I think like 10, 10 million new listeners, I think, in the past couple of weeks. Like the feedback's been coming in, we've been getting like good feedback. And, it's, uh, and that's true. That's, I'm not joking there. We, we got like positive feedback. We really thank you for listening and and you know we're glad you enjoy it that's why we do it man we're really happy about that uh but now um we're on itunes and we're uh we're signed we're signed up for google play but google hasn't rolled out like their podcast portion of the google play music app but when they do 
will be at the top of the list. We're in there. So if you've got an Android phone, that's probably the easiest way to mm-hmm. be able to listen to us when they roll that out. Uh, so iTunes, Google Play. Uh, now we're on SoundCloud, uh, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. So lots of different ways to tune in. You know, if that's one of like your preferred places to go to listen to your music or your podcast, whatever, you can go to these places and hear us. Um, also check out uh, my uh, my video game repro shop, Red Repro, repro.rad.tv. And I would also say visit uh, www.operainfall.com. I do video game journalism for the site. And I do news articles mostly, occasional reviews, and every once in a blue moon, an opinion piece. There you go. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. Uh, we've got a YouTube channel. We actually have stuff on the YouTube channel. Yeah, we have some fun stuff on got the one, YouTube channel. One thing, and one more is things. coming. Yeah, that's true. We've got a couple more things uh, down the pipeline that are coming out. So we, as we figure as out. As they say in Super Contra, keep your eyes peeled. <laughs> keep your eyes peeled. <laughs> Starring Arnold Schwarzenegger and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yes. Well, wait. The one dude looked like Stallone, kind of, right? Well, I, both... I think like I've seen that picture online of the cover of Contra where they've replaced the two dudes with Schwarzenegger and Stallone. Well, they, they both look sound, exactly like. They yeah, both but they both. The same well, to me. Yeah, yeah. What? What is this place? <laughs> and of course, it's uh, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone, who sounds like Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, crossing over with aliens. Yeah, that's Super Contra. Yeah. Kind of a neat idea, actually. Yeah. It's cool. I remember there was a long time ago all those rumors about Arnold Schwarzenegger appearing in another alien in, a, in an aliens movie, and they just never did it. Hmm. I don't even know if it's true, but so it was like, uh, well, that would have been back in the '80s when he was like still relevant as an action hero. Mm-hmm. I think it could have been a really cool film. The only thing is, he kind of knew he was going to survive it. Oh yeah. So they did Predator. They just created their own thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and the first one's pretty good. It's pretty entertaining. Yeah. But um. But now, uh, Contra the Pachinko. Right? Mm-hmm. That's, well, that's what's going on now. Yep. I can't wait. Mm-hmm. When we drive over there to get our uh, Project Crossbone soundtrack, we'll have to stop in and play some Konami Oh, yeah. Pachinko. We'll definitely hit some, yeah, we'll do some slot machines, definitely. some Konami slot machines. I'm here. feeling a little nostalgic for Konami, so yeah. I think some Pachinko is mm-hmm. in order. Yeah. That'd but, be a lot uh, of fun. Uh, also, um, you can follow me on at Tom Tolios on Twitter. I still don't do much with my Twitter feed, but. I imagine that'll change. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter too, but not Facebook. I don't. I'm not accepting any new you can, requests at this point. Ah, uh, you're like a doctor. Yeah, yeah. In these troubled uh, medical insurance times, mm-hmm. not accepting new patients. Right. Yeah. Um. You can you can find me on Facebook as well, Tom Tolios. Uh, I can't promise that I'll add you as a friend, but you can always you can always follow me there and look and see what I'm doing. Um. Usually posting something. Right now, my big thing is uh. I'm posting funny political memes. I don't really have a uh, dog in the fight, but I think a lot of the memes that are coming out are pretty funny. Oh, yeah. There's some funny stuff out there. Like, I I don't really, yeah, I'm not. Following politics just makes your blood pressure go up, so. We already have enough to deal with being frustrated about Man of Steel. (laughs) Yeah. Our blood pressure is high for important issues. Well, we know what the people want. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if fucking any of the candidates started complaining about Man of Steel, they'd be in right away. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'll bet you a lot of the people watching are like, why don't you talk about the stuff Gaming AM cares about? Mm-hmm. I saw a guy with a sign, like with our logo on it, mm-hmm. in, the, in the stands, you know, holding, like bouncing it up and down. One, uh, one person thanked Obama for making Gaming AM possible. Oh, really? And I was like, he didn't have anything to fucking do with it. Yeah, that's true. So that's it, episode three, Gaming AM, greatest podcast in the world. I'm Ray Price. I am Tom Tolios. And now we have to 
Because in bison. <sighs> Got to go through this again. Yeah. Where does he keep getting all these trucks? Uh, you know, I'd be interested to see, like, what, ha- like, I'd be interested to see him, like, doing a Grand Theft Auto style, like, carjacking, like, truck jacking. Like, I want to see, like, the actual of him, like, finding, like, this truck driver just stopped at a truck stop. And then, like, all of a sudden he looks over and his door's opening and there's some bison just dish, ganks him and then throws yeah. him on the ground. <laughs> but he's a real shitty GTA player because nobody's ever chasing him. There's no police chasing him or tanks chasing well, him. Well, typically like, you don't, I mean, you only get, do you even get a star for just a simple carjacking? Well, I figure Auto? somebody's after, and I guess maybe not. I don't know. Grand, I mean, I, yeah, Grand I don't Theft remember. Auto wasn't my thing. Yeah, Still, remember. though, if you're going to steal a semi in Grand Theft Auto, you should be doing some serious damage and Bison, in addition to being like a crappy dictator in a video game I've never played before, mm-hmm. he's also terrible at GTA. <laughs> I'm starting to see all of the where all these frustrations are coming from. It's like, hey, Bison, it's not our fault you suck. Yeah, and it's your own fault you suck. Get, but- get good, scrub. Get good or get wrecked. <laughs> I, I just want someone to animate that scene where he car where he, he truck jacks this this poor truck driver. Like, there's some dude. Like laying in a parking lot of a truck stop somewhere that got beat up by, you know, he, psycho power and he, he floats and he levitates, but then he just uh, punches this guy and throws him out. It feels to me like it's a scene that would have fit right in with the USA Network Street Fighter cartoon. <laughs> like I would have been watching it and I wouldn't have even <laughs> questioned it. Yep, yep. But so now this is happening. Yeah. But I, I don't know, man. I'm just. I'm getting tired of this, yeah. but I have a feeling I'm going to have to be dealing with it. Yeah. Like Batman he, having to deal with Joker. Yeah. I got a feeling it's, we're going to have to be dealing with him. He's our nemesis from now on, and we ain't talking about Star Trek. Well, you want to piss me off? We'll talk about Star Trek nemesis. Let's just kick his ass instead. All right. Here we go. Chisa! <laughs>